Like, if, if I was just a random person in this parking lot, I'd be like, um, please unhand that woman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially if I was a person in the parking lot, I would be like, what the f*** just happened? A guy just got hit by a car. <laughs> the car just, like, rode, like, drove away. And then he went over and started, like, grabbing this lady. Like... Maybe that's how he got fired from Costco. <laughs> They're like, you can't just do that. You're the assistant manager. They're like, we're not Walmart. We're Costco. We expect <laughs> a higher level of decorum in our parking lots. Exactly. We're not Walmart. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 22-year-old actor and filmmaker from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. I do not have hyperopia, but I do have myopia, which means that I'm nearsighted. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 28-year-old writer and TV critic from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass milfs and long naps. I'm on Twitter at at Britannia, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. And I am also nearsighted to a lot, like, big degree. (laughs) (laughs) And we're excited to introduce our guest for this episode, Erin! Yay! (laughs) Tell us a bit about you. Uh, My name is Erin. I'm a 35-year-old English professor, and I live in Mississippi, Um, and uh, I'm a Hufflepuff, and uh, 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 (laughs) now you ask me questions. So um, talk to us a little bit about your background slash, you know, you just watched it, so tell me about how you felt about it, I guess. (laughs) So yeah, so I, I, I just finished watching the entire series of Lost, and I started in like... I think I started over the summer and I watched the first season fairly slowly. First season and second season, like at a reasonable rate. And right. then seasons three through six or thereabouts, um, mm-hmm. I kind of just like binged in an insanely insane fashion. Like I so I'm a I'm a a professor in America and so we had like a week off for American Thanksgiving. And um, I basically just spent the entire break watching Lost, like, all of season four and five and six, I'm pretty sure, like, in that week. Uh, or, like, two or three weeks in there. So, um, it was a ride. <laughs> um, I don't remember all of the details, but uh, I really, really, really love um, Hurley. And I love Miles. I think, like, they're Miles. two of my favorites. Miles is awesome. And um, and Charlie and I really love Claire and Kate together. Like we were just talking before we started recording. And I'm perhaps yes. the only Jack Sawyer shipper in the entire world. Which oh, started I don't as think a... that's true at all. <laughs> Probably Hashtag not. Joyer. Yeah. yeah, I just you know not that there's any like canon support for it whatsoever. I just really enjoy imagining that all of the subtext for their interactions is that Jack is like high key in love with Sawyer, and Sawyer's like high key in love with Jack, but really in denial. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I have a lot of very complicated feelings about John Locke. Uh, so yeah. this is a good episode to be yeah talking about. So yeah, so that's me and Lost. I've only this is the first episode I've ever rewatched. So I'm just like starting on my journey of rewatching episodes and being like, holy shit, they set up a lot of shit really, really early, yeah. uh, <laughs> which is they very really fun. Did. And it's like, it's also funny to go back to season one, you know, like it's funny now to go back to a pre-Ben lost, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, it's, it's a simpler time. They're just all in their little camp. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm always like, you get to season two and I'm like, oh, finally. 
because I love I love Ben, but like there's parts of the show where I'm like Ben wasn't actually in this season at all. Nope. Right. That's yeah. Weird. He's never. Yeah. Yeah. And at first he showed up, and I just remember being like, "Is he going to be around the whole time?" Like I kept expecting him to not be a permanent character. And then I finally looked him up on IMDb, and I was like, "Oh no, he's like through the rest of the show." Um, <laughs> but uh, he's like yeah. the Emmy Award winner for this show. And thus ends the Ben speak until the spoiler section. Yes. Oh, crap. Oh, shit. Every Sorry. Time. Sorry. <laughs> Someone brings up, like, Ben or Desmond or Juliet, and I'm like, oh, let's talk about that forever. <laughs> <laughs> ben who? I'm sorry. That's a, that's a kid that I went to elementary school with that I mentally yeah. inserted yeah. into the show. It's not <laughs> really a part of it. Not, Just not got a, a bit confused. It's okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, sorry. Where can we find you on the internet, Erin? Uh, you can find me um, at Rebloggenhood on Twitter and Tumblr. Um, and uh, I have uh, The 100 Podcast with my best friend Claire called Metastation. And you can find us at, at Metastation100 on Twitter or uh, metastation.tumblr.com. And uh, so, yes, we are part of pod, The 100 Pod Crew with the Aficionados. Yeah. Um, so that's where you can find me. And my I'm very bad at live tweeting, but there's some like very sporadic lost live tweeting that happened. <laughs> when you do live tweet though, it's like the most entertaining thing. Is I would wake yeah. up okay. in the morning and I would go back and be like, oh my god, how many episodes of Lost has she watched? What time is it where she is? And wh- how did she nail every single one of these theories? <laughs> oh my god. I really should go back and look at my theories. How <laughs> mm. um, many of them were accurate? I'm very, I, I didn't even, like, remember that. Good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I'm a very like perceptive watcher of Lost, which is amazing given how, like, well, you know what? Actually, that maybe is why, because I was watching them so fast and so close together mm-hmm. that I didn't have time to forget anything. You know, like, yep. it was right. just, like, yes. everything happened, like, five minutes ago, so it was all very fresh. There was no, mm-hmm. like, you know, four-month hiatus between seasons yeah. for me to, like, forget who people were or whatever. So we'll just blame it on that. And uh, what's wrong with your eyes? I uh, <laughs> I am nearsighted. I am myopic like you guys. And I also have astigmatism, which mm. means that, like, it's like this weird thing where basically um, causes, like, slight double vision. Mm. So I can't wear contacts. Or I guess I can, but astigmatism correcting contacts are annoying. So glasses all the way. Woo! And they're super expensive. Yeah, they're so expensive. Like, ugh, oh my god. I used to wear contacts, and then my stigmatism got worse, and I switched. And then I was like, why was I spending, like, hundreds mm, of dollars truth. a year for, like, I don't even know what, vanity? Which is, like, dumb, because glasses are cute. I love exactly. glasses. If I don't wear glasses, I feel like my face is blank. Yeah, exactly. me too. Also, I feel like my face has lost all character. Yeah. Yes. Also, I will say, this is relevant to this episode, like, Sawyer normally doesn't do much for me, but Sawyer in glasses, I'm very into. I get it. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> like, no glasses Sawyer, and eh. With glasses Sawyer, definitely. Yellow. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, oh, all right. Uh, I didn't know I was into this, but... Um, sure. It's like... Now it's I've like, learned something new about myself. It's reverse she's all that. You know, you, like, have to put him in <laughs> oh my gosh. glasses. <laughs> The nerdier, the better. <laughs> I hate this. I hate how true it is. <laughs> I hate this. You're never going to unsee it now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to have to like, watch She's All That backwards now and be like, yes. <laughs>
Today we have words to say about episode 119 of Lost. You know what? I can say it and then okay. I get scared. Okay, go for <laughs> it. I'm like, I'm like, what if I f- it up? I know how to say it. Okay. It's do ex machina. Deus, Deus. ex machina. See, I can't do it! Deus ex machina. Yeah. Okay, see, I can't do it. Robin, you're going to have to do it. <laughs> no, we, we've already said it a bunch of times. People get it. People get it. Oh, great. So now everyone's going to listen to me being stupid. Correct. You know what? Actually, that's kind of like the premise of me being on podcasts. So let's first talk a little bit about the title. This is one of three episodes that has a Latin title. The first one was the third episode, which is called Tabula Rasa. This one, and then there's one in season six called Abaterno. That's a good one. It means God of the Machine. It's a theatrical device. And it usually means when there's just like a solution coming from wherever, where it's like to a big problem. And so it, it's often like thought of as kind of a cop out. There, there are a few examples on the Lostpedia page that I was going to read out here. In the context of this episode, it is likely that the expression is to be taken more literally. There are two gods coming out of machines in this episode. First, the Virgin Mary statues that Boone finds in the Beechcraft, and then the blinding beam of light that comes out of the hatch at the end. Anthony Cooper, upon first meeting John Locke, makes a play on Emily's Immaculate Conception comment, arriving at the conclusion that he must be God. Later, we see Anthony hooked up to a dialysis machine, thus another literal god of the machine. Mm. Well, then it also starts out, I would say, that like first shot of Locke setting up the mousetrap game mm-hmm. is very much yeah. sort of like God, you know, overseeing the machine, yeah. universe, whatever thingy. Yeah. Yeah. So the broadcast date was March 30th, 2005. It was written by Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof. Fun fact, the first uh, episode that those two wrote together. I love them so much. And it was directed by Robert Mandel or Mandel or whatever his last name. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Robert. We don't know how to say your name. Sorry, Robert. (laughs) Robin's a professional. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Another fun fact, March 30th is my husband's birthday. Shout out! Aww. Happy Burr, birthday, Joe! <laughs> Happy super belated or super early birthday. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so we are going to recap the episode in the style of Lost in 8 Minutes and 15 Seconds. Oh, Aaron, you would love this. You need to look this up on YouTube. Okay. It's Lost in 8 Minutes and 15 Seconds. It's an entire summation of the entire show. Um, spoken... It's kind of like a spoken word poem. Yeah, I guess like it is. 90s beatnik poetry, <laughs> all in a completely deadpan voice over clips of the show. So Robin is going to do it mm-hmm. in 60 seconds. And if she doesn't manage it, she's going to speed herself up and post so that she sounds like a chipmunk. Excellent. I'm very excited for right. this. Sawyer's got some messed up headaches, so Kate takes it upon herself to get Jack to help. After doing some tests, Jack asks some probing questions just to be a butt. He tells Sawyer that he has hyperopia, which Sawyer thinks is a terrible disease, but actually just means that he needs glasses. In the jungle, Boone and Locke try to open the hatch with a trebuchet with no luck. Locke believes that the island is trying to take back the miracle that it granted him. It shows him a vision within a dream that includes a small plane. He and Boone find it, and Boone climbs up to search it. Unfortunately, he only finds dead fake priests and Virgin Mary statues filled with heroin. Fortunately, he also gets a hold of someone on the radio. Unfortunately, Boone then suffers a fatal fall within the plane and Locke takes him to Jack. In the past, Locke is approached by his mother and in turn also finds his father who is good to him. Too bad he was a dirtbag and literally stole his kidney by pretending to be nice to him. <laughs> Turns out it was all a ruse and Anthony Cooper doesn't even have the decency to talk with Locke afterward, which hurts his feelings a lot. Back on the island, Locke is banging on the hatch begging for a sign when a light begins to shine out. Woo! Oh my, yeah, that was like 101. I'm very nice. happy. Oh, yes! Okay. <laughs> 
even hearing like what Anthony Cooper did just makes me like rage. Anthony Cooper is one of the like universally hated characters. Oh yeah, for sure. Which means, of course, he probably has like at least one stand. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, like everybody has to have one stand, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the rule of the internet. Yes. (laughs) Like somewhere out there, people genuinely love Kylo Ren. Yeah. And Uh, a lot of them actually. A lot of them do. Someone's writing. Someone's drafting a really rude tweet to you right now. Uh, that's I can, okay. I can take it. I can I'm, take it. It's okay. I'm, I'm with you, Brett. I will. I will jump in and defend you. <laughs> you don't murder Han Solo and get away with it, okay? Thank you. <laughs> Who's mean to Princess Leia? Who does that? Yeah, yeah. Come on, especially when she's your fucking mom. Hello. Thank you. Like, oh my god, you're welcome for having a mom that's Princess Leia. Like, you're, you're, you've been blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I hate whatever. <laughs> Star Wars is coming out soon. It's on the brain. The, uh, the first storyline that we're going to start Probably with is no. the one about Sawyer. So, the first time we see him is he's trying to get Sun to help him pick which leaves to use, I guess. <laughs> but, because the leaf that he has just is not helping. His leaf is problematic. Kate realizes this. He has, like, secret headaches. Aspirin isn't working. Jack is shaving, which, like, is pretty much their way of being like, see, they don't have beards. <laughs> <laughs> I right? appreciate that in-universe detail, though, because that is one of the questions I have. Yes. No, I, I, How are any of them grooming? I like the little nod to we understand that you have questions about the day-to-day mechanics of living on mm-hmm. the island, and here is a tiny little thing to fill part of that in. Yes. yes. Like, how are these people still unreasonably beautiful? Exactly. Well, here's your answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kate's like, so, um, giant headaches? And he's like, are you okay? And she's like, oh, I'm fine. It's for Sawyer. And Jack's like, oh. <laughs> right. I, I care less now. Of course you care about how Sawyer feels. Whatever. Mm. <laughs> he's like, listen, I'd love to help him, but also I would not love to help him. <laughs> so... Oh, because he's in love with him, clearly. Yes. Obviously, yeah. obviously. Because yeah. he's like, I can't be around him because I can't control my feelings for him. <laughs> it's too painful to be near him when I can't have him. And to no, gaze into his picked- eyes to try to determine the cause of his headaches would simply be too great a torture. Too much. <laughs> like, the whole reason he fixes his vision is so that Sawyer can gaze upon Jeff. <laughs> I'm telling you, this actually works for really, really well as a reading of the show. <laughs> it literally does, though. It really does. Like, oh, my know, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Jack is like, have you ever had sex with a prostitute? Do you have STDs? Yeah. Just, like, for future See? reference. Just not, you know, like, because I'm worried about, like, Kate, right? Obviously not me. Not my yeah. future yeah, STDs. Yeah. I'm status. trying to embarrass you in front of her. Yeah, exactly. Like, remember that one episode of Friends where Phoebe sent Joey to pretend to be a doctor and ask that one guy all those probing questions about his sexual history. That's this. Exactly. Yes. There you go. Yes. The raft is going well. Michael actually kind of likes that they had to start over because now they're, they don't have to deal with all the errors that they might've had. Here's some gin translations. Gin says, let's tie it up and finish it. I have to fix it. <laughs> and Michael says, yeah, yeah, whatever. And gin says, before it gets dark. And Michael goes, yeah, now I get it. Well, I mean, to be fair, though, Michael actually pretty well understood what he was saying. Yeah, he figured yeah, it out. Yeah. I'm kind of proud of him. Like, he got this sort of gist, the general sort of thrust of what he was mm-hmm. trying to communicate, which is pretty impressive, I have to say. True. That's actually, especially for two people who were really bad at communicating 
Even without a language barrier. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I have to like the the Jin Michael team up is one of my favorite developments of season one. It's just like so yeah. yes. heartwarming. <laughs> that like one episode. Especially because it started so violently. I know, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like impressive. That's like one of the most impressive like one episode turnarounds on a character ever, I think, is the Jin. The season one Jin like going from like, oh, what that asshole to, oh my God, I love him. Um, yeah. It's <laughs> like really amazing. And it's weirdly viable. It is. Yeah. It's totally yeah. viable. Yeah, absolutely. And they're like bickering at each other is just like adorable. <laughs> they're like an old married couple. <laughs> they are. <laughs> so Jack's like, wow, Michael, how impressive. And Michael's like, yes, I know faster and idiot. So I'm really impressive. <laughs> uh, we have Sawyer with his cloth over his eyes and that's when Jack comes over and is just like hey I heard that you're sad inside <laughs> you want some help do you guys want how you doing buddy a fun fact about this scene yeah so um, if it, I cannot not notice this now but like Jack has this backpack that's more like a hiking backpack but he also has this backpack that's kind of just like this is a walk around the mall type backpack and it switches yeah. between the backpacks throughout this entire scene oh my god really yeah and Why? it's like I don't oh. know how this happened I'm never I would I, I'm definitely never going to be able to unsee that when I go watch it again yeah, if you watch it, it's literally just, like, the one with the, like, wide straps and the thing and then the one with, like, the small uh, yeah, yeah. straps and you're, like, dude. Yeah. It's, like, he's actually turned around for a lot of it. So, like, if you were paying, like, attention to the pa- backpacks, which I was because Lostpedia, it's, like, so <laughs> obvious. I'm, like, uh, who did this? How did this happen? Yeah, whose job was it? Who's Who was the property manager or, like, Who was the backpack wrangler? <laughs> yeah. Who was the <laughs> backpack wrangler? I hope they were fired. <laughs> this reminds me of this one time when I was watching an episode of Gilmore Girls with my sister. And they were all in Luke's. And they had these red cups. And they were all drinking from their red mugs, like coffee or whatever, because it's Lorelai, so coffee. And, like, every second shot, it would switch between them. And it was, like, a red cup or a blue cup. Oh, my it God. It was either, like, all red cups or all blue cups. And I'm like... That drives How me did nuts. this happen? How did someone let this happen? I'm so confused. That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I can't handle stuff like that because once I see it, that's all yeah. I think about in the scene and the scene yeah. becomes useless mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, no, it's true. And you just like stare at it and can't like even pay attention yeah. to what's happening. Literally a scene in The Wedding Singer is ruined for me because <laughs> I, can't, I always <laughs> notice the bloopers and it's like The Wedding Singer. Why, why do I care about bloopers in The Wedding Singer? Right. I yeah. do. <laughs> no. You're sensitive to the light too, huh? You know what? I'm sensitive to you. All right, so we'll see it. This is like literally what I expected <laughs> to happen. So whatever. he was pretending to be sarcastic, but he really meant that. He really wanted. He really yeah. help. <laughs> I'm sensitive to you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Stop the voice. The voice. But he's like, what if it's like a tumor? No. And he's like, well, why would it be a tumor? And he's like, because my uncle had a tumor. And he's like, okay, well, here are some side effects of tumors. Do you have those? And he's like, no. He's like, then you're probably okay. <laughs> How did Sawyer go his entire life without noticing that he's nearsighted? Well, well, Jack says in this episode, he says that you sometimes it comes on in adulthood, especially after you've been like reading a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, okay. yeah, he gets, I mean, he gets, like, reading glasses, which I think is fairly common yeah. when you get older and comes from eye strain. 
So. Well, here was me just picturing Sawyer in denial his whole life, but fine. I could if y'all want to bring that, logic you know. into it. I mean, it is it is Sawyer. Like, I could imagine him being like, whatever, the world's just blurry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the way things... Okay, no word of a lie, though. Samantha Coley, who is a grown-ass woman, puts my glasses on and goes, hey, I can kind of see better now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Sam, and I'm like, can you not see things, Sam? And she goes, no, I can see things just fine. I'm like, but you see them better with glasses on. She says, yeah. I said, how long has it been since you've been to the eye doctor? I don't know. I haven't gone since I was 14. Bad. Bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, maybe my girlfriend and Sawyer have a couple things in common. You never True. know. That's, yep. Um, yep. Yep. can see that. Look, if this is worrying you, there's a couple of tests that I could do. Sorry, Doc. Sounds fun, but my insurance ran out. <laughs> insurance ran out that's a good one and Jack's like you're so funny Sawyer (laughs) (laughs) wow their level of flirting is really cheesy and then he like is sniffing the air you know it's true love (laughs) because it's cheesy because well because they're too far gone to even you know be able to play at their normal level of cool they're just like so over the moon they're so overcome by each other's presence. Oh my god! And I'm just like, I just like have the biggest crush on you, and just like I can't even see you, and this is really just exactly. hard. Exactly. Uh, I just gotta get away with my backpack. I, I have to say that Jack, Jack in that backpack, like I, it's something about people just walking around with backpacks with both, like with the straps on both shoulders, like in situations yep. where he could take off that backpack. Like, why does he even have that backpack? He's just like walking around. I don't know. It just like makes me. He looks like a little kid to me. Like. <laughs> He just looks like it's it's endearing. It is totally endearing. I'm like, oh, you're so. I'm going to school, mom. Exactly. I'm yes. like, oh, you're so cute, Jack, with your little backpack. I bet you have a little lunch packed in there, like a <laughs> notebook. Well, <laughs> he probably case. does. Actually, all of those things. He probably, probably packed does. him a lunch. Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, Sawyer's finding everything to be too loud. <laughs> And so, you know, all of those extras are like, oh my gosh, we should probably stop because a main character is yelling at us. <laughs> Yikes. Um, Kate decides that she needs to take him to Jack. So they go, and Jack is doing like a, the pen test thing. When did the headache start? A few days ago, a week maybe. Do you have to be here? Do you have them when you wake up in the morning? Usually they hit me middle of the day. What the hell are you doing with that thing? Checking to see how your pupils respond to changing stimuli. What's that? That knot? Would you just let him do his thing? I'm letting him, but I want to know what the hell he thinks I should... I think you should just shut up and relax. (sighs) What the hell are you doing? Have you ever had a blood transfusion? What? No. Taking pills for malaria? Nope. Have you ever had sex with a prostitute? What the hell's that got to do with anything? Is that a yes? (sighs) Yes. And have you ever contracted a sexually transmitted disease? I'm going to take that as another yes. When was the last outbreak? Go to hell, Doc. I know he deserved it, but... He needs glasses. It's because his pupils were dilated because he's in love. <laughs> because he's attracted to Jack. Yes. Yeah. 
And exactly. Jack was like, I don't know if I can handle this yet. I don't know if I'm at yes. this point in my life yet. Erin, when you Jack's do like, your um when you do your big rewatch, can you just like do a point by point analysis of like <laughs> every, every moment every jar moment? Yes. Absolutely. I think the nod was like, okay, I have to walk away because if I stay here a moment longer, I will kiss him. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's like, it's like half funny and half like, I want to watch this. Right? This is what I said. Like, I started doing it to amuse myself because I was getting annoyed with the love triangle. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like ship those two for fun. And then I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) That's a problem with doing anything ironically. Genuinely, I'm into it. (laughs) Has he ever had a blood transfusion? No. Has he ever taken malaria pills? No. Uh, Those those questions were just like, uh, that was the tutorial. That was the easy level. Um, Have you ever had sex with a prostitute? Maybe. Like, oh, what? Maybe a little uh. bit. Have you ever had an STD? Nah. He's like, I abstain. <laughs> <laughs> I plead the fifth. I feel like at that point I'd be like, what does this have to do with my head? <laughs> so, yes. Um, And then he's like, oh, whatever, Jack. And he leaves. And then Jack's like, he needs glasses, lol. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a good Jack scene. He's such a brat sometimes, but in the best way. The way that was worded. Yeah. Uh, I really love Robin's summations of scenes. <laughs> Jack is like glasses lol. He needs glasses Jack is lol. Not normally the best troll, but when Jack decides to be a troll, he is an amazing troll. It's true. It, it's like next level. It is, yeah. He like just saves it all up for these like transcendent troll moments. <laughs> Especially because in the next episode, he is so serious the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. Yeah. (laughs) He knew the next episode was coming. So he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to bring us some levity Mm -hmm. in this one. Yes. I'm going to have my fun while I can. (laughs) So Jack goes up to Sawyer and starts to try and give him glasses. But first he's just like, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but you have hyperopia. Josh snaps for Josh in this scene. He's so good. He's like, really? How much? How long do I have to live, Doc? <laughs> you uh, Scott, you uh, got hyperopia. Hyperopia. That's uh, what is that? You're farsighted. Farsighted. Yeah. I would be so mad if someone did that to me. <laughs> oh my god, I know. I like Jack deserved to be punched, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Because that's that it kind of yeah. wasn't cool. Like it was funny to watch, but also no. like from Sawyer's perspective, yikes. Yeah, not at all cool though. Yeah. <laughs> like here's Sawyer thinking he's either dying of some unknown STD or cancer on an island with right. like, no medical oh. help. Right, exactly. Yeah. Except for a guy who hates him. <laughs> he's like but is secretly in love with him. Don't it's think exactly. that Jack wouldn't do anything he could to save Sawyer's life. <laughs> well, you know he would even if he wasn't because Jack is true. just like that kind of dude. That's true. He is. He is that kind of dude. But, you know. Sawyer is still reading Wrinkle in Time, which I like. I like that he's not reading a new book every single episode because, like, mm. you know, it takes time to read a book, especially if you can't see it. Especially if you can't see it. <laughs> and you have terrible yeah. headaches. 
Uh, I feel like headcanon, he restarted Wrinkle in Time as soon as he got it, got his glasses. <laughs> he was like, I don't actually know what's going on. Yeah. Oh man, Sawyer would be so excited that they're making a Wrinkle in Time movie. <laughs> he would be. So they start doing the glasses test. He's like, one or two. One or two. Okay, Saeed and Angel. I love Even Saeed. though he also doesn't like Sawyer, does some welding for him. <laughs> what an angel. Saeed's I like, hey, know. you know what else I can do? <laughs> Weld. Yes. Because I'm the perfect man. Yeah. Oh, you need to like break apart acetate glasses frames and put them back to- I know how to do that. Obviously. I can, I can do, do that. No problem. You would literally be dead a thousand times older, over if I wasn't on this island with you. It's real. 100%. Yeah. And you wouldn't be able to read your entertaining little books. Exactly. <laughs> So Sawyer gets his new glasses and Jack's like, okay, you're welcome. Bye. And then there's this, <laughs> just, this is a great skate moment. I'm sorry. I have to say it, but it it's is, just like, oh, yes. her just like standing there laughing at him. Like this, like I've seen gift sets of that moment. It's very cute. It is. That's, that's what we have to ask Erin. What? What her ships are. Her sk- her ship is Joyer. Well, uh, you know, I feel like that was obvious. <laughs> <laughs> so my ships are Joyer. And uh-huh. Claire and Kate is yeah. like, Claire and Kate's my like number one OTP for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Although I will accept a Claire, Kate, Charlie OT3. As long as Claire and okay. Kate are together. Yeah. Other yeah. people can join in, but they have to be together. Um, and Jin's son, obviously. Mm-hmm. And can I, can I do spoilers? Yeah, as long as you just say the names and don't say anything about okay. it. Okay. Um, Go. Actually, I think uh, I wound up, Sawyer Juliet wound up being kind of an OTP by the end. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Come to the Juliet feel- side. Oh, oh, and Hurley and Libby. Yeah. Oh, that's a rare one. I like that one. I love them. They're so sweet. The last thing in this storyline is that Jack and Kate have a conversation whether, like, Jack knew he needed glasses before or after he decided to be a jerk. And um, he's like, oh, sorry, it's patient doctor confidentiality. And it's like, Jack's got jokes sometimes. He does. (laughs) And she's like, well, thanks for helping him. And he's like, I didn't do it for him. (sighs) And you're like, oh, the drama. Okay. Mm. Like, oh, you wanted to make this meaningful here when it could have just been that you were being a nice guy. Gotcha, gotcha. He was just he he was just trying to throw Kate off the scent of his love for Singer. (laughs) Honestly, that's a good point. Yeah, he's he's currently like having a crisis about it. You know, he's like, oh my god. Yeah, am I having gay thoughts? Exactly. Props. He's like he's in. Got a process. He's this. like I did not know that I was bisexual, and I'm having kind of a crisis coming to terms with it. <laughs> but I'm in love with this man. I'm just like in love with him. And I think also we only have one canonically queer character in this whole series. Exactly. So give me another one. Yes. yes. And so and then and then also he sees the sparks between. Kate and Sawyer and he's like and because he loves Sawyer so much and he sees that Sawyer loves Kate he's like I can't I just want him to be happy so if he's happy with Kate I have to like remove myself so that he can be happy even if it means that I'm miserable because that's the kind of like you know because Jack's got that like like that martyr complex like he always wants to be the one to sacrifice yeah so like in in the love triangle situation you know if he's like desperately in love with Sawyer he would be like no Sawyer loves Kate he'll be happiest with Kate so I'm going to sacrifice my happiness for him right and Sawyer and Kate are so similar that when he can't have Sawyer he's just like Kate is kind of like exactly yeah he's like like (laughs) Sawyer loves Kate so I love Kate 
And she kind of reminds me of him sometimes. So like she's, you know, like in a pinch, Kate will do. <laughs> in a pinch. And Kate's this is like, my favorite thing that's ever happened on this podcast. <laughs> and Kate's like, you know what? I love you both as friends, but me and Claire have a baby to raise. And then obviously some making We're out busy. to do. Yes. So. Yeah. Yes. We don't have time for your male nonsense. Exactly. Go <laughs> over there and like be aggressive at each other because neither of you know how to deal with the fact that you want to bang. And then just like have your weird like, Rawr, our dicks are out and we both want to be leaders, but then we also want to like touch each other thing. And we'll be over here taking care of the baby and living our best lives. <laughs> Incredible I've never speech. Loved anything so much. An amazing monologue. <laughs> it also explains so much like their weird rivalry thing because mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. sublimated sexual desire. Yeah. Totally. And then it takes Kate out of the equation and Kate doesn't have to stress about any of their crap. Exactly. She can just be like, and all what of a sudden nothing's cliche. Exactly. Yeah. See? It's the perfect solution. This is a win win scenario. And then if like all three of them decide to like jam together, I'd watch that too. It's fine. Absolutely. I mean, like, I, I'm totally also totally down with an OT3 situation there, you know? Like, if they're both just like, yeah. we love each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. We love Kate. We love doing it in a pile. Let's just do that. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> what if you never said the phrase doing it in a pile ever again? I hope that I don't. I don't really know what went wrong there, but I was like most of the way into that sentence and then I was like oh god there's no way out of this it's just gonna happen <laughs> I'm just gonna commit to it uh are we ready to talk about Lock and Boone <laughs> yes no. please for the love of god <laughs> so uh we start with Lock just basically being like Boone faith 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 like cool mm, that's a lot of F's. thank you so much um alliteration they're trying to break the glass uh, with a trebuchet, and uh, they, they've they been, like, chilling for two weeks, and Boone never gets any stories about Locke's life, which I think is funny because, like, Locke tells stories about his life to everyone else, <laughs> except for Boone. Yeah. He's like, why won't you emotionally connect with me, pseudo-dad? <laughs> and so he's like, well, my stories are boring, so it's whatever. Either way, the thing doesn't work, and Locke's really mad about it, and he has a thing in his leg. Oops. So... Him not being able to feel things in his legs. How long has that exactly been going on? I mean, this is only the first time that he's noticing. Yeah. Yeah, So so it could have been for a while longer. Yeah. Do you ever think about the fact that in this episode, Locke is basically doing to Boone what his father did to him? And then want to cry about it? Wow. You come onto my podcast. (laughs) You say these hurtful things. Can you can you explain that a little bit further, Erin? Um, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it on the rewatch because I think so. So it's the withholding thing, right? So like he he's talking, he's like he has to convince Boone that he has this sort of like purpose, just have faith. We're we're meant to do this thing together, and he's like teaching him how right. to make a trebuchet okay. and he's teaching him how to, you know, like Boone goes and helps him hunt, you know, so they're ostensibly off on these hunting trips together right? where right. Locke is teaching him all of these skills. But 
Locke has this sort of ulterior set of ulterior motives that he won't explain to Boone and he won't tell him his like true backstory. So he's kind of like withholding all this information from Boone and then sort of playing on Boone's what he knows Boone's emotional needs are like he did, you know, like he kind of did before with like calling him out on his sister and then drugging him to sort of deal with that. And then bringing yeah. up the um, Teresa thing, which he knows is mm-hmm. a big deal to Boone. So he like leverages that for Boone to do for, to get Boone to do what he wants him to do. And then at the end, you know, we wind up in a situation where Locke is the one who's sort of physically disabled, right? Like Locke is the one who needs to get up into that plane. Right. Cause he had the dream and he's physically incapable of doing that. So he convinces Boone who's sort of like emotionally attached to him now. And I think at some point in this episode, Locke calls him son, right? Yes. Um, Locke calls mm-hmm. him son. And so he convinces Boone to go up into the plane. And as a result, Boone is grievously injured, mm-hmm. which is pretty much like, so it parallels the way that, his, that Locke's dad sort of like manipulated him, his emotional needs and created an attachment to get him to do something that he needed him to do um, that wound up with Locke also being sort of like, I mean, not injured, you know, I guess, but like something yeah. was like his body was damaged basically. And Boone didn't have any positive parental role models either. So exactly. it's not like he knows that this is True. unusual behavior. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He's just like, he didn't have a dad, you know, he had kind of a broken home. And his you know, mom is like, garbage. Yeah. yeah. His mom yeah. is garbage. And like, and he has this relationship with his sibling and. Boy, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And, um, and he's just sort of like desperate for some kind of guidance or something else you know he like he doesn't Boone doesn't have a purpose after he's not like he's sort of like turned away from his sister so mm-hmm. Locke sees another person who needs a purpose like he needed a purpose and he's he gives that to him but not for like Boone's own good but for Locke's good and it's extra sad because Locke doesn't even realize that he's doing the same thing no yeah he has no did. idea oh it's just like the like like this is it's that heartbreaking. It, it's, this is like a quintessential lost thing, right? Where it's like it, the part of the heartbreak is watching the person sort of like reproduce the trauma that was done to them. Like Sawyer does that too, you know. Um, yes. And like they all do that. Like Kate does that in a bunch of different ways. Like uh, Jack does that. Like this is kind of like the pattern that these characters go through. But it was one of those things where like I didn't notice that the first time I watched this episode. When I watched it through again, I was like, oh my god! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they don't they don't like hit you over the head with it. It's not like super obvious, but I think that's what they're. No, I think that's what this show did really well was yeah. doing really excellent subtle parallels where it it didn't treat you like an idiot. You could find it right. if you wanted mm-hmm. to. Exactly, exactly. If you're paying attention, if you notice these little things, then it, then it, like, if you don't notice it, it still works. It's still a good episode. Yeah. It's still a good story. But if you, you know, if you pay attention to the subtle things and, like, think about the kind of, like, broad themes, then you realize, like, oh my God, it all goes together. And it's, like, there are so many levels. Way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many levels. So, uh, Locke is saying it didn't work because it wasn't strong enough. So we're just going to build another one and the island will tell us what to do. All right, buddy. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's one attitude to have. Another is plan things. I don't so know. So <laughs> Boone shows up and he's like, Boone, you're late for work. And Boone's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot to clock in. Like, can you, what do you mean for work? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Robin's like, I don't like this attitude. I don't. <laughs> it's just like Boone can 
Boone live his life, please? Like, why? I don't know. They're on an island. I feel so bad for Boone. Like, poor Boone, man. Yeah. Like, what a shitty life that kid had. Mm-hmm. So sad. This is definitely the point in the show where I start to feel bad for Boone because people just use Boone repeatedly. Mm-hmm. I know. He's like, always someone else's life. tool. Yeah. And I mean, he definitely slept with his sister. So there's a point where, like, I stop feeling bad for yeah. Boone. Yeah. I mean, but I, yeah, I, I still yeah. feel bad for him with that in a sort of like, oh, yikes, that is super fed up way. But then also, yeah. sort of like, you were kind of from the beginning. I don't know what he was supposed to do with that your whole sister. situation. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 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 You can't open that thing up. You say you can, but you can't. Don't tell me what I can do. Don't you get it? It's dead end. You're not getting in. That's impossible. We didn't find this by accident. We're supposed oh, to. Oh, we're supposed to. We're supposed to find this, right? We're supposed to open it, right? Then tell me something, John. If we're supposed to open it, then why the hell haven't we opened it yet? The island will send us a sign. The island will send us a sign. All that's happening now is our faith is being tested, our commitment. But we will open it. The island will show us how. What kind of sign will the island send us? Huh, John? And he's like, the island will send us a sign. And Boone says, oh, the island will send us a sign. (laughs) Tag yourself on Boone. And I think it's funny. I was pointing out to Brittany earlier that, like, this is Locke's dream. (laughs) Like, inside Locke's dream, Boone's making fun of him. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's a really good point. (laughs) That actually makes me like Locke a little bit better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's like, I actually know Boone well enough to know exactly what he would do in this situation. Exactly. But also, like, it makes me think that maybe Locke is just like, I assume he's going to make fun of me because people do. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Oh, what? You had to (laughs) ruin a good time. You had to make it sad. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, it's just testing our faith. And then he sees the plane, the Beechcraft coming. That's when we get, like, flashes of bloody Boone. Um, His mother, Emily, shows up. And he starts talking about how Teresa falls up the stairs. Teresa falls down the stairs. And uh, he's back in the wheelchair. Turns out this was a dream. I have a theory. Ooh, what is it? Okay, here's my theory. Did is you that just do gunshot things in the air? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I hate you. So a lot of this whole thing, I think, is the island. And I think that the island gave him this vision of the Beechcraft so that he could go find the Beechcraft, but they gave, like, I feel like Boone didn't even really have to be there, except the island was like, actually, Boone does have to be here, so let me give you this thing that will make Boone trust you. Because, mm. like, if it was just go find the Beechcraft, Boone wouldn't even need to be in the vision. But that because they needed Boone, then they start taking away his his walking because they need the island. Needs him, like, Boone to go up and fall down because otherwise it would have been Locke. Mm. And I think the and the island's not done with Locke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boone had to be the sacrificial lamb. It couldn't be Locke. And as soon as Boone falls down, they give him his walk, his his uh, feeling in his legs back. Oh yeah, that's a good point. There's because, a lot of characters on this yeah. show that really like you can tell were brought there to be other people's sacrificial yeah. lambs, like other yeah. people's learning experiences, yeah. which mm-hmm. is so messed up. It really mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking spoiler thoughts, but I will not. Yeah, say yeah that. I know. I no. think I think we all were having a pause moment yes. of spoiler thoughts. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, oh. there it goes my heart. Yep. <laughs> so Locke goes to wake up Boone, and he's like, "We're going on an adventure," and Boone's like, "Okay." 
I think it's so sad that like Boone used to sleep right beside Shannon and now Shannon goes and sleeps with Saeed and so now Boone sleeps by himself. Okay, but Shannon gets to sleep with Saeed, so I don't no, feel that I mean, bad for No, I mean, that's Boone. true, but I also feel bad. It's like, is it cold? I mean, it's Hawaii, so maybe not, but like... <laughs> no, it gets cold okay? at night. Yeah, I feel bad he's, for him. He's fine. He has the warmth of Locke's love. I don't... Uh, I don't know. Okay. I feel like Locke's love well, is I not tried, guys. warm. <laughs> no, but I tried. <laughs> we did our best. Sorry, Boone. Yeah. No nice things when for Boone. you try your best, but you don't succeed. So Locke is like, I dreamt of this sign. I saw this plane. It was awesome. It was really real, but I knew it was a dream. And Boone's like, okay, dude, whatever. And Locke's like, aha, but I have something to tell you. Talk to me about Teresa. And Boone's like, oh, I suddenly believe you. <laughs> Dope. Let's go. I believe you suddenly. I don't know. I don't know. Um, he's like, listen, maybe maybe I mentioned Teresa before. Like, that's probably what happened, right? And he's like, maybe... The odds of Locke paying attention to anything that Boone said are so low, though. <laughs> like, do you think that maybe because we were just in a plane crash, that's the reason why you had a dream about a plane crash? Uh, good points. Mm. Solid, Solid points. points. Um, not realistic. Yeah. Uh, Locke falls down. And, of course, this is the island because because he's falling down here that's when he stands up and finds the rosary and finds goldie who's that character that's what that character's name is <laughs> i was like what are you talking about because he has the gold teeth yeah oh i guess oh, all right is. okay yeah okay we'll, we'll meet him later so yeah we meet them okay so we have the bible and we have the pen that they're finding on him and it turns out the pen is a knife which is nuts that's a fucking cool thing. It's for those days when you need to do some writing and then some killing and stuff. <laughs> sure. So uh, he's in priest clothing and Locke talks about how clothing, like talking about clothing decomposing, but in a previous episode, which I believe was House in the Rising Sun, they talk about clothing decomposing and it's really, um, it kind of goes against, okay, here it is. How long do you think he's been dead? Normally clothing would completely decompose within two years, but... This is high quality polyester, could be two years, could be ten. However, in House of the Rising Sun, Jack says it takes 40 or 50 years for clothing to degrade like this. So Are you like, saying the science on this show isn't solid? <laughs> I How might be you? saying sometimes. <laughs> Why are you implying such things? It's not me, it's Lothpedia. Well, great. Now, I, I guess Lost isn't a documentary. I guess not. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I think they call that Survivor. There's literally a moment where Locke kind of looks into the, almost looks into the camera, like during the uh, the flashbacks. Emily says, you were immaculately conceived. And he literally is just like, womp. Like he just <laughs> basically, all, like like just an inch off the camera is just like, uh, am I right? Did he Jim Halpert that one? He almost did. I like paused it at the moment. I was just like, oh, he's just a fraction of a centimeter off of the camera. Okay, but... Maybe he was side-eyeing because the Immaculate Conception is not the virgin birth. And what they meant was the virgin birth. But they said Immaculate Conception. So maybe he was like, I know the difference and I'm side-eyeing the writers for not knowing. <laughs> I want to hear more about this. I want to hear more about this when we get there because I don't know what you mean. Oh, and I okay, know okay. I'm not even Catholic and I, I'm doing, I'm doing Claire <laughs> proud. <laughs> 
good. I was just gonna say, like that. This is Claire by oh, yeah, Moses for sure. For sure. <laughs> Claire and Sarah are just like, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the the guy has gold teeth, and he's from Nigeria, and he has a gun. So it turns out, maybe not a priest. Dun dun dun. Um, can't have guns now. <laughs> So uh, Locke is having a hard time walking. He keeps falling down. And he's like, listen, we'll take you back to Jack. And he's like, no, Jack wouldn't even get it. I don't even get it. I was in a wheelchair. What? Paralyzed for four years. The plane, our plane, I was in that chair when we took off, but not after we crashed. Why were you in a wheelchair? Doesn't matter anymore. But, but, But this island... It changed me. It made me whole. Now it's trying to take it back, and I don't know why. Boone is like, oh, you told me a secret? I will also tell you a secret. <laughs> but I love secrets. He says that he was paralyzed for four years, so... Bum, 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 bum. Did you just do the music? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm doing now. Every time we talk about the numbers, I just put the music in. And, I'm <laughs> and then he's like, why were you in the chair? And he's like, oh, it doesn't matter now. Fun fact, we learn why he was in the chair in a season three episode called The Man from Tallahassee. Oh, wow. I forgot. You have to wait like three seasons to find that out. Well, I mean. That's so mean. It's like uh, one and a half. There's a lot of fake outs in between, I feel like. There's like all these places where it's sort of like, it could be be this. Oh, wait, it's not. This is interesting to me that instead of saying a month ago, he says four weeks ago. So, bum, 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 bum. Saying. Robin found a number. I'm like, why wouldn't you just say a month? But for Robin's numbers, you need to say the number, huh? Okay. We just found a number. We We just just found found a number. number. We just found a number. Because we're really (laughs) smart. (laughs) And that was the Blues Clues song. Yep. You're welcome. He says, we're just trying to find what will get them into the hatch. And he says, help me up, son. So this is him calling him son. And then in the flashback, immediately after this, is when he's called son for the first ah, time. Ah, okay. Excellent. Do you think Locke did it, like, as out of sort of, like, absent-mindedness, or was it deliberately emotionally manipulative? I don't think it was deliberately emotionally manipulative. Well, that was a big word. I that don't was think a big it was sentence. deliberate, I think, but I do think it was, like, <laughs> instinctually emotionally manipulative, if that makes sense. Like, he's he is trying to get him yeah. to do something okay. that Boone is reluctant to do. So... I don't think it's like totally mm-hmm. like you are my son, son. I think it was sort of colloquialism. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't think he's like he's not like premeditatedly doing it, but I I right. also think that he maybe is like instinctually doing it. Yeah, there's like some subconscious thing where he's like, yeah, use affection to get what you need. Exactly. And then we see okay. where he learned it from. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So um, they are have kind of taken a rest and Boone tells the story of Teresa. So Teresa was his nanny and he had a bedroom like way on the top of some big flight of stairs. And every day he would just call her up with his intercom over and over again. And because he was a brat and uh, one day she just took a bad step and broke her neck and died when he was six. Rich people are weird. So yikes. Yeah, that's like not relatable. <laughs> no. <laughs> Imagine hearing that story and being like, what? (laughs) You were a stupid kid. Yeah. Yeah. What a jerk. Also, who gave you an intercom? Right? Like, you have an intercom in your house, you fancy person? Seriously. Locke starts to laugh, and (laughs) Boone's like, what the heck? How rude. (laughs) Um, And then he's like, there's the plane. And he's like, whoa, so you actually saw that plane in your dream? And he's like, dude, I actually saw the plane. It was nuts. 
And Locke wasn't listening to his story at all. He's like, we need to find out what's inside it. And so Boone is going to climb up because Locke can't. <laughs> Next note, island question mark? Yes. 100% the island, yes. Absolutely. The, oh, you mean like the island being a dick? The island being like, no, your legs don't work, so it has to be Boone because otherwise you're going to die and that's not what we want. That's not like on the agenda at this yeah. moment. <laughs> We're not done with you, friendo. So uh, Boone is climbing and he slips a little bit, but he ends up getting up there. Uh, the Nigeria map is in there. There's a body that falls on him. And that's an important character that we'll talk about in the spoiler section too. And he finds the Mary statues, drops them down. Turns out they're all full of heroin. And like in this moment, even though it hasn't happened yet, you're thinking, uh-oh, we know someone who Charlie. likes heroin. Yep. <laughs> this is bad. Like you don't even have to be like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen with those. Like, you know. Now, I think the first time, you know, I, first time I watched this episode, I genuinely gasped, and I, w- I was like, oh, Charlie. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like putting those puzzle pieces together in the most dramatic fashion. <laughs> exactly. Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> I relate. Uh, he gets the, on the radio, a voice is answering, and it's interesting because it seems like they had this idea about season two already at this moment because he says we're the survivors of oceanic flight 815 and the the answer that they get on the radio even though you can't really hear it because Locke is also yelling at the same time we're the survivors of oceanic flight 815 so then who does Locke think he's talking to boone my bad i don't think boone heard it heard what he said and even if he did like he immediately falls off a cliff yeah right Oh yeah, Probably okay. True. Does not true. Remember he had bigger fish to fry with yeah. the like crushed yeah, chest and all. Easter that. egg for us. Yeah, yeah. He's like laying at the bottom of a cliff, and he's like, "I wonder who that was." <laughs> <laughs> My priorities are important. <laughs> that was weird. So after that, Locke is able to stand up and carry Boone all the way back to Jack. Uh, he's like, "Jack, help me, please." And he goes, "What happened?" And he says, "Fell off a cliff," which is true but of course jack is giving him fall help when he should be giving him i've been crushed help so jack is Mm -hmm. having a hard time because he doesn't know exactly what happened um there's like a huge thing on his chest it's kind of gross and he's like kate go get supplies please and then Locke has disappeared well you know as you do when someone is mortally wounded off into the woods you know that that's <laughs> yeah. Bye. Like, I, I don't have time to. I don't have the emotional capacity to deal with this. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I gotta go. Bye. Jack must have been so relieved that he had something else to do besides like talk to Kate, worry about Sawyer. <laughs> yeah. Jack's like, this has been a very emotional day for me. He's like, I had to gaze into the eyes of my love for a long period of time, but not the way I wanted to. So he's grateful. He's exactly. grateful to have an emergency to-, to take his mind off of his pining. Exactly. Aww. Exactly. His gay panic. Yes. Takes a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, lastly, in this storyline, Locke is crying on top of the hatch, and he's like, what the heck? I did what I was supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? What the heck, Island? And then a light turns on. Oh! Kate. But then, like, knowing, like, yeah. what's in the hatch later, you're like, that was a <laughs> I know. They, with the reveal later on, I was like, oh, what the f- Really? <sighs> like, Sorry, okay, so but like you know, I'm watching so it for sorry. the first time, you're like, wow, yeah. this is amazing. What a great cliffhanger. So okay. It's a great have you guys yeah. have you guys read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books? I have not. Once a long time ago. Okay. So there's this one thing, this is like a kind of a spoiler, but not really a big one. But anyway, so like in the first book, 
there's this, so the, the spaceship in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in the first one is, uh, runs on this thing called the improbability drive. So it, like it moves itself through space by like, like the engine runs on improbability. And so whenever it takes off, okay. instead of having like exhaust, it's exhaust is just like, it generates a bunch of really improbable stuff. And, and so there's this one chapter in the first book where when the improbability ship takes off, it leaves suspended in the atmosphere above a planet a sperm whale and a pot of petunias. And there's, there's this like whole chapter about what the sperm whale and the pot of petunias were thinking as they like popped into existence and then plunged towards the ground. Oh. And it's mostly the sperm whale. It's like this whole thing with the sperm whale sort of thinking like, oh my God, this is great. I exist. Wow, this is so fun. Like I have a tail. What does this do? Ooh, I can swish it around. And then it like goes squash. And then oh at the God. end of the chapter, <laughs> at the end of the chapter, it says, uh, as for the pot of petunias, all it thought was, oh, no, not again. No one knows why a pot of petunias would think such a thing at such a time. But if we did, we'd know a lot more about the universe than we do now. Which is like the, Whoa. the my like one of my favorite like little parts of the fir whole first book is that because it's just like so it's like unexplained and super cool. You know, it's sort of like, why did a pot yeah. of petunias think, oh, no, not again. And you're like, whoa. You know, so it's like cool because of all the possibilities. Well, in the fourth book, it gets explained. And in this like kind of mundane way, and I'm like permanently pissed off about it because it totally ruins the like cool pot of petunias moment to like know exactly why it happens. And then it's like, oh, bah, bah. and I feel yeah, like it takes all the wind way. out of your sails. Exactly. And so this one was like the light goes on and then later on you're like, oh, that's <laughs> like, a that, was, that was not that nearly was a as special. Yeah, like that was a super cool moment the first time I saw it. And like in retrospect, it's so much less cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally a deflated balloon. Exactly. So I feel about this moment the way I feel about the pot of petunias. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cute. <laughs> um, are we ready to move on to flashbacks? So welcome to Costco. Hi, welcome to Chili's. I think it's ridiculous that Locke's, one of Locke's favorite board games is Mousetrap. Because, like, I don't even understand how to play Mousetrap. <laughs> I'm, I don't know how to play Mousetrap either. Like, he explained it and I still don't get it. I had Mousetrap when I was growing up. Yeah. And Did I, you understand and I, how to play? Um, yeah. Although, it wasn't, I always just felt like it was way too much work to set up for, like, very little yeah. payoff. You know? Because, like, you, it takes so much time to set up that little, like, rube. Goldberg machine yeah thing. exactly and then like and then once you do it's like it really it's it's like just a board game where you go from like place to place with dice and then if you land on the wrong thing then you get caught in the trap and it's just yeah it it's just like not that fun it's like dominoes like, you set it up yeah for like an hour and then you get five seconds of satisfaction then you're like okay okay yeah, and then it's even worse because, like, dominoes, at least you can set up in different ways. Yeah, but, like, yeah. mousetrap gets set up. Once you've done it and seen the whole thing go, then it just, like, that's all it does. So it's not like it changes, you know? It's, like, the same every time. Guys, the stuff mm -hmm. Hasbro sold us in the 90s was a bunch of bull. <laughs> hungry, really hungry hippos? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was just putting ball in a cup. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you're so right. You might as well have just played the ball in the cup game. That's true, but... I guess it was more competitive. Well, I don't know. Well, at least they they were hippos. 
See, bop it. Now that's a real game. Am I wrong? Bop it was yes, a yeah. Bop it was a bop. <laughs> Did I use that correctly? Wow. <laughs> Did I? I don't know. All right, all right. Moving on. <laughs> I love so, it. So not only does Locke work at Costco, but he's also the assistant manager of a Costco. Okay, that's a sweet job. That is an excellent gig. You get Costco. You get full health benefits. You get like really good pay. I don't even work at Costco, and I know that you should work at Costco. And then he gets put in a wheelchair, and then he has to work at a sad box company. Yeah, I'm not happy about that. Costco, you have full benefits. What happened here? What happened? (sighs) Costco let me down. So there's this little kid, and he's, like, building the trap and everything, and he's teaching him how to do it or whatever. And then there's this lady in the background, and he's like, um, sup, what's with the weird stairs? And she's like, can I get, I need a football. And he's like, okay, well, there's some in there's a aisle 8 and aisle 15. <gasps> he's like, love, do you want to push daisies? <laughs> but of course it's on aisle 8 and aisle 15. Aisle 8 for regulation, aisle 15 for nerf. Could you tell me where the footballs are? Yeah, um, aisle 8 for regulation, aisle 15 for nerf. Oh, yes, thank you. Okay. Hearing Terry Quinn say nerf is really funny. <laughs> nerf he's like nerf 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 um but then after that that's when the trap goes so like this kind of symbolizes this is the beginning of the trap that anthony cooper is set yeah yes. yeah it's very much foreshadowing yes like and the irony you know Locke doesn't realize that he's the mouse because he thinks yeah. he's the god but he's not once they're in the parking lot, they all have California license plates, which makes sense because Locke has told Hurley that he's from Tustin. And they get this lost dog thing on his car, which I am obsessed with. I'm obsessed with this little <laughs> thing because, wow, first Robin's of all, obsessed with a little thing. Must be a day ending and why? <laughs> first of all, it's a lost dog. And when Locke gets to the island, there's a lost dog and he finds it. And oh. uh, second of all, the words lost dog are written in the font that the lost like logo is in. Yeah. And I'm like, I see you props department and I clap <laughs> and applaud for you. I truly don't think TV has, has still has this attention to detail. No, no, I don't it think doesn't. so. It doesn't. He f- sees the lady again. He gets hit by a car a little bit. And then he... Just a little, though. <laughs> slightly hit by a car. <laughs> then he catches the lady and he's like, sup? But I'm like, dude, if we didn't know you, I would be concerned. Like, if, if I was just a random person in this parking lot, I'd be like, um, please unhand that woman. Yeah. 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 Uh, what are you doing, bro? I mean, especially if I was a person in the parking lot, I would be like, what the f*** just happened? A guy just got hit by a car. The car just, like, rode, like drove away. And then he ran over and started, like, grabbing this lady. Like, yeah, like, this like, isn't oh. Walmart. This is a Costco. Maybe that's yeah. why he got fired from Costco. They're like, you can't just do that. You're the assistant manager. They're like, we're not Walmart. We're Costco. <laughs> we expect a higher level of decorum in our parking lots. We're exactly. not Walmart. <laughs> we have standards here. <laughs> we're not Walmart. We have standards. <laughs> so they're sitting in a coffee shop, and she's just putting in, like, spoonfuls after spoonful of sugar okay me though cool okay okay (laughs) me drinking coffee and he's talking about how he wasn't adopted he was put in foster care like multiple foster homes and she says he's special which i think is interesting because we have heard that mainly about walt 
And that's why it makes mm. me think that maybe the reason why he was put in so many different foster homes is because he was special like Walt a little bit. And so he was hard mm. to just like Brian, who was Walt's stepdad slash dad because he adopted him. Slash douchebag. Slash douchebag was <laughs> like, you. can you take him back, please? He's weird. His step douche. <laughs> step douche. Yeah. Step douche. That's the best. <laughs> I'm going to call my stepdad that from now on. Yeah. You're step douche. <laughs> that's my step douche she's gonna love that <laughs> um but he's like so like sup with my father and she's like oh honey my father is he still alive still alive oh john don't you understand you don't have a father you were immaculately conceived you don't have a dad. You were immaculately conceived. Explain. <laughs> okay, so this is a common misconception uh, that people think the immaculate oh, conception. That was a that was a that was a pun. <laughs> common misconception. Uh, so the immaculate conception actually refers to um, Mary's conception. This is like only a Catholic belief, but in the Catholic Church. For, I think, probably, like, reasons of men being misogynistic douchebags back True. in, like, medieval times. Mm -hmm. Although, apologies to, you know, my beloved Catholic friends. But anyway. Basically, like, what happened was at some point in the church past, they were like, but Jesus could not be born from the body of a regular woman because, like, she's all defiled with original sin and stuff. So they came up with something called the Immaculate Conception, which says that Mary was conceived without sin. So Mary was born when she had a mother and father, but she was conceived immaculately, that is, without original sin. So she was born without original sin. So Mary is the immaculate conception, and then Jesus is the virgin birth. Gotcha. The virgin birth is separate from the immaculate conception. I mean, wait, you know, Emily wait. Locke isn't, like, the most <laughs> reliable person, <laughs> so, like, I get it. True, true, yes. Wait, but and how again, do you like, have a virgin birth without an immaculate conception? Well, that, that would be the thing, is that, like, she would be calling herself Mary. She would be calling herself the Immaculate Conception, if that was true. Well, she said that he was immaculately conceived. I think, so Jesus wasn't really, con Jesus was divinely conceived. Gotcha. Catholics, why you make no sense? <laughs> it's a miracle. It doesn't have to make sense. True. Um, Harry Potter makes more sense than this, and there's witchcraft in that. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it all has to do with like a bunch of like dudes in the past freaking out about like, oh, but Jesus's mother couldn't be defiled with sin. How could Jesus be born from a gross, nasty, regular woman <laughs> body? So they decided that that Mary had to be free of original sin. And so there had to be this miraculous conception for her mother. I can't remember. Is her mother Elizabeth? Don't know. Could not tell I you. I have no. I went to Catholic school, but I could not tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I did my PhD at a Catholic university, so stuff like sinks in, I guess. It's in the water, as they say. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> he might have been immaculately conceived, but that's not the same as a virgin birth. It just gotcha. means that he was born without sin, which would be an interesting, that would be like an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Like, what if Locke was born without sin? He didn't live with it. And then he winds up the way he winds up. Oh, uh, yikes. Anyway. Yikes. The next scene that we have, uh, he has hired a... What's it called? Private detective. And his name is Franey. And uh, basically he's like, yeah, yeah, she's your real mom. Fun fact. The 
the uh, papers that he has says that the institution that she was admitted into uh, was Santa Rosa Mental Hospital, which is the hospital that Hurley was in. <gasps> oh my what? god! Dude, every- Oh my god. People don't pay this much attention to details like this anymore. Yeah. This is nuts. And uh, wow. also, I paused on those papers and I was looking at as much as I could look at that wasn't just like numbers. And um, it said that she <laughs> uh, self-admitted herself in. So I don't know if that's not uh, like, I don't know, but yeah. And it also did, said didn't, well, that her marital status was divorced as well. A lot of um, admission, though, is like coerced self. Well, it depends on what country you're in. Mm -hmm. But um, I think in the States, the police can't actually force you to admit yourself into a mental hospital. Whereas yeah. here in Canada, like, the police can escort you straight to, like, a psychology ward. So that probably means, like, good guy mom at some point. Like, she knew she needed to get mm -hmm. help. So well, yeah. I'm going to give her one, <laughs> one point for that. <laughs> but that's it. He says that she She's has still in the a form of yes. schizophrenia, but... She seems to have it, like, under control. Also, his dad. What about my father? Here's the thing. Your mother sought you out, so she's fair game. But this guy, maybe he doesn't even know you exist. And I've done this enough times to know this stuff isn't meant to be, even though it may feel that way. That this probably won't have a happy ending. Theory... I think that this dude was probably maybe hired by Anthony Cooper mm, and said, yeah. oh, tell him about. I kind of wonder that too. Yeah. He's got to be part of the uh, conspiracy. Yeah. Um, Locke drives a red punch buggy, <laughs> which I think is cute. And he gets to why, I mean, why not? this big house. Ooh, would you like a fun fact slash anecdote about my life? Yes. Yes. When we went on the Lost tour, we drove past this house and um, the guy who was doing the tour guide was or the tour was like, oh, that's Anthony Cooper's house. And I was like, oh, can we stop and take a picture? And he was like, no. And he just like kept driving. And so I have like this like <laughs> half blurry photo of like Anthony Cooper's house. And I'm like, okay. But Robin, sure. Robin, you do understand why you couldn't take a picture on someone's private property, right? Yeah, I know, but I still wanted it. Listen, if you're going to have a house where they filmed key scenes from an yeah. extremely popular television show, you have to accept that people are going to be taking that's pictures. That's a good point. Yes. True. So, fun fact about Anthony Cooper's name. Ooh, what? Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, Locke, John Locke is named after a 17th century philosopher. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, you know, we have Rousseau and Hume. Uh, Anthony Cooper is also the name of a famous and important 17th century philosopher. Because, um, of course, he is. Yeah. So, Anthony, Anthony Cooper was the first Earl of Shaftesbury. He's more often referred to by the name Shaftesbury, which is his title. And um, he was a philosopher, a moral philosopher around the same time that Locke was writing. A moral wow, philosopher. That's, awesome. that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he, but he was also like a big... He was like one of the main sort of philosophers of what's called natural mm -hmm. religion, um, which is so. So in the 18th century, you, so you divide out revealed religion from natural re uh, religion and revealed religion refers to um, religions like Christianity that require a revelation, like so, like Christ is a revelation of God's will, mm -hmm. basically. And so like he believed what like he he's believed in this thing called natural religion, which says that basically like you can 
come to more knowledge of God through the observation of his creations. So in other words, like nature, oh, like the world. I like that and better. Science and yeah. Um, and so his, like his whole moral philosophy was built around this idea that like basically like because because God is good, the universe that he made is good and everything that he made is good. So people are sort of like innately good. And all of our, it, you know, if you sort of like pay enough attention to your your sort of like instincts, human beings are motivated by like fundamentally benevolent instincts, like even our selfish instincts wind up being sort of good for everyone. Kind of like very roughly his, the base of his moral religion. It gets like, obviously like yeah. more complicated in weird ways, but that's kind of like the basic idea is like people are essentially good. And, you know, if you like leave them to their own devices, you know, bring them together. People are motivated not by selfishness, but by love and by connection. And this sort of, there's like a God who benevolently made the universe and it's the best possible universe you can have. So, and he was, yeah, and he was writing about the same time as Locke, and he was, like, kind of on the opposite. There's, like, a whole other set of philosophers who said the opposite. Like, Hobbes, basically, was one of them who said, like, people are essentially selfish, and, you know, like, the reason that we have government is because if we didn't, people would just, like, keep killing each other, and that's intolerable. So we have to have some kind of authority to keep control, and then there's, like, some other people who would, who sort of argued the opposite and said that people are fundamentally bad and motivated by selfishness, and so that has to be either controlled or, like, if you're, there's, like, one guy named Mandeville who was, like, but, you know, people do things selfishly, but that, like, winds up being good for everyone in the long run, but um, Shaftesbury is kind of, like, his main thing is natural religion. The world is benevolent. You can study nature if you just pay attention to like the natural world around you and the sort of signs of a benevolent God around you. Like that is the path to enlightenment. So he was like the OG hippie. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I yeah. love the idea of giving that entire perspective to a con or name to a con man. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like the perfect kind of irony. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's, that's awesome. Isn't it? Yeah. So smart. I, yeah. Like, I hadn't even thought about that until this time either. Like, I, I think I didn't, I didn't notice his name, what his name was until um, the first time I was watching through. And then this time I was like, Anthony Cooper, Anthony Cooper. Oh my yeah. God. Um, which is like another little paying, like speaking of the way paying attention to detail, like, you know, some of the names yeah. like Locke are really obvious. Like those are super famous yes. philosophers, but giving his dad the name, the like lesser used given name of a lesser known, but also like contemporary and very different philosopher. Like Locke was kind of the opposite. I mean, not like quite totally the opposite, but like Locke, Locke's main philosophies, Locke is sort of like the OG philosopher of, um, uh, 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 oh my God, blanking on the E word. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, well, uh, of like his epistemology is all sort of about like sense experience and um, association. And so like Locke is kind of all about like Locke argued against the tabula rasa, like ro or, or tab argued for the tabula rasa. So Locke was like, when you're born, there's mm -hmm. like nothing in your brain, everything that you know, and that you like, and that you think is based on like, and like information that you take in through your right. senses and that you then like think about and then his whole psychology is built around like you form associations. So like, and like some of those associations are logical and they like are correct. And then some of them are sort of like illogical and make humans do weird things. Like when a bad thing happens in a place and you forge an emotional association with that place. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. And then, um, 
But like, basically he was like, you know, he's like, it's not, you aren't born with like God putting knowledge into your head or like someone putting knowledge into your head when you're born, like you're born and then you have sense experience. And like through that, that's how you know things. So, and then also he's, uh, his, his theory about identity is super weird because like what Locke says is basically like, okay, so like in the 18th century and 17th century, they knew that your die, all your cells in your body, like die off cyclically, you know, over like seven mm-hmm. years, basically. So like your physical body doesn't remain the same all the time. So like, okay, your identity can't be the same as like your physical body. Um, but he didn't believe that there was like a sort of transcend. He w- he wasn't like Descartes where he's like, the body is just a mechanism. And then there's like the mind is just this sort of like transcendent thing floating along. So he thought like, okay, so what makes up, what makes up the I, what makes up the self? And he, so he concluded that it was like yourself is your like is your memory of your experiences as a self so everything that you remember like experiences that you remember is a part of your identity but anything you can't remember isn't really you which has this like truly bizarre effect of being like like if you do something and like when you're blackout drunk that's not a part of your identity you still did it but you don't remember it so that's not really a part of you Oh, wow. Yeah. But it, so like it creates this weird thing where he's sort of like, so that isn't a part of you. That's not like really a part of your identity if you don't remember doing it. But if someone saw your body doing it, you can't prove like they can't know for sure that you weren't conscious of it. So like judicially, legally, you're responsible for things that people see you doing even when you're not conscious of them. And it isn't actually a part of your identity. It's like this Whoa. super, super weird thing that he backed himself into yeah but like so so Locke is like really really um like empirical you know is all about like empirical evidence and things that you can touch and feel and see which is also really ironic about the Locke in Lost who's all about like faith you know yes. like, I had a dream I'm, I'm you know like just have faith that's our fate that's like kind of the opposite of the philosopher Locke which is what they um, did for Anthony Cooper also Yes, same thing they did for Anthony Cooper and same thing for Rousseau, actually, because mm-hmm. Rousseau is the philosopher, like Rousseau's one of his big things as a philosopher is um, Rousseau says that the say like human beings are corrupted by society. So if we go back to a state of nature, if everybody removed themselves from like from human society, from urban spaces and just like went back and lived in the woods, you know, like with just a few people then they would be completely innocent. It's only society that corrupts people. And in a state of nature, human beings are totally pure, basically, like morally pure. And like, obviously, like Rousseau has been alone on the island for like 16 years. She's in a state of nature, theoretically. And she's like, you know, like the opposite of like pure and trusting and like, you know, morally. Um, So like they, they keep doing that in these like really interesting ways. That's so cool. Yes, that's that's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> that's Aaron's seventeenth uh, century philosophy corner. <laughs> and so, when you were talking about Hume, what's the guy's first name for Hume? Uh, it's not. Um, is it David? It is David. Yes. Okay, because that's Desmond's middle name. Ah, okay. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. So. That, and, I mean, I just guessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is David. Uh, I believe. I always forget. Yeah. Um, And he was also a moral philosopher. 
We should talk. I want to talk about that in the spoiler section because we don't. Okay, have that excellent. Yet. Yes. Hey guys, a message from Future Robin, real quick. Aaron sent us a big long uh, direct message on Twitter after recording this episode uh, that kind of goes into this that uh, she wanted us to include. So I'm going to read it out for you now. Another Anthony Cooper slash Shaftesbury parallel I thought of. So Shaftesbury's most important text, The Moralists, is a philosophical dialogue. It's written in the form of two guys. Theocles, the Shaftesbury stand-in, and Philocles, I hope I'm saying those right, walking around outside in nature, while Theocles debates Philocles in order to persuade him to accept his moral philosophy. So Anthony taking John hunting to manipulate him to see the world the way he wants him to. Also, Theocles' whole thing is, look at nature, it's so amazingly awesome, how could you not think it's perfect in the reflection of a mind of a perfect creator, and then want to be perfectly benevolent like that creator made you, and everything to be, hard eyes emoji, hard eyes emoji, hard eyes emoji. Which is like the painfully ironic opposite of taking your son out to shoot birds so you can make him think you're awesome and wonderful and love him so he will give you part of his body to replace your corrupted and degraded body. Also, that fits with Locke and Boone, only now Locke is Theocles, trying to persuade the skeptical Philocles of the innate genius and wisdom and benevolence of the island, which then kills Boone. Lol, why you gotta make everything hurt, show. Lostpedia also just reminded me that this Anthony Cooper was the grandson of the first Earl of Shaftesbury, also named Anthony Cooper, who was one of Locke's early patrons, so there you go. Next! Okay, so he has this really big house, and we meet Eddie, who is the real victim. Of, the, of this episode because he had <laughs> Poor to be Eddie. sad last. I know. I feel so bad for him having to, you know, be involved in all that. Do his job. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Um, but he's like, listen, I don't want anything. Just like, please, can I come in and talk to him or whatever? And I think it's funny that like, you know, inside he's like, Anthony Cooper, this guy says he's your son. And Anthony Cooper's like, oh, dope. It worked. Yeah, let him in. <laughs> <laughs> Robin's version of these characters is so good. (laughs) Um, So they get inside and he has all these pics of him doing cool stuff or whatever. And he's like, hey, sup, it's me. Um, Do you want a drink? And he's like, sure. So who found who? I'm sorry, sir. Emily, your mother. Did she find you or did you find her? She found me. How did she look? All right, I guess. She say anything about me? She said I didn't have a father. That I was immaculately conceived. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I guess that makes me God, huh? How weird is it? But he said, she said I was immaculately conceived. <laughs> oh. Anthony Cooper's like, lol. <laughs> guess that means that I'm God. Crazy. And you're like, ah, get out of here. <laughs> but also, I think with you talking about how immaculate conception isn't actually what it means it's kind of like the same thing that what they did earlier in the season when they were talking about triangulation but i had mentioned mm. that it's actually trilateration what they were doing yeah. but they were using the word triangulation because more people understood what that meant so i assume that's kind of what they're just doing i think that's probably it yeah yeah they often go with the more yeah 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 it's yeah colloquialism i mean it, thank you it could also be like i i wouldn't you know like they're like so good at tiny details. They could have also had her give the wrong, you know, like deliberately yeah. have it be incorrect. Yeah. You know, like I could totally see that being on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What he says is that she had told him that she wasn't going to have the baby. And I have some spoiler thoughts on that. Uh, but he said she came <laughs> back and she said she wanted money. Um, do you have a family of your own? No, I don't. Same Z's. Should we go hunting? Yeah, let's do it. And then Locke is like, yay, I have a dad. And you're like, buddy, look out. 
So Anthony was kind of doing the same thing Jack was. Yeah. Yeah. Like feeling him out, being like, oh, are you qualified for this thing that you want? Right, 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 right. Yeah. The next time he comes back, Eddie knows him well now. And he comes in and he's like, oh, you are hooked up to a dialysis machine. And he goes, I thought you weren't coming till 12. And he said, I thought you said 11. And it's like, girl, you know, he did say 11. Uh huh. Yep. You were right. And he did this on heckin' purpose. And he's like, oh, no, I need a kidney transplant. But, hey, let's not spoil this day, you know? Because, you know, oh, well. Well, it'll be fine for a while. Wouldn't you wonder why someone didn't bring that up before? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's kind of a big thing to... Especially because now, I guess, they've gone hunting quite a few times now. Yeah. 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 Like, you think you'd notice if someone straight up had, like, diabetes or failing kidneys. I don't know. There's also something, like, really sinister about the fact that he takes him hunting you know yeah like let's go kill some innocent creatures but like also this is where Locke learned how to hunt yeah but there's just something about like let's go kill some innocent creatures oh yeah (laughs) that's why I don't understand hunting what's fun about oh yeah and and he also calls them like you're not animal rights nut job or whatever right right like yeah okay once they go hunting Locke shoots the bird, and that's when he's called son, and then he's just like, I'm so glad that your mother brought us together while we still have time left. John, uh, your mother, she may be a little crazy, but at least she brought us together. Thank God it happened now, while we still have time. And you're like, oh, the manipulation here is gross. (laughs) (laughs) They're at the hospital, and he's like, I'm so thankful for you, John. And I'm like, can you be thankful afterward? Like, how hard is it to just be like, I met my son, and yes, I was trying to get your your kidney from you, but also, like, now thank you for doing that, and now I will still continue to be your father. Like, what is your, like, what, what are the, what's the terrible cons of, like, still having a relationship with him? Exactly. Like, why you gotta abandon him after that? Like, why can't you just keep going hunting every once in a while? Yeah. I, it makes no sense to me. Um, Go find a kidney from a deer. But he he literally says it's meant to be, which is another fate thing. That's how it works, right? That's why why they're trying to, they have to kill so many partridges because he's cobbling together a new kidney out of like 40 partridge partridge kidneys. Ew. Frankenstein a kidney. (laughs) But he's like, hey, it's transplant time. Let's go. Woo. (laughs) And then uh, once Locke wakes up, there's an empty bed beside him and the nurse uh, says, you know what? I thought it was really nice what you did. You're a good person. Because she thinks it's just a random that he gave his kidney to. Right. And uh, he's like, cool, where's my dad? And she's like, oh. Uh, don't, he left? <laughs> <laughs> he, he gone. Did he leave me a message? Nope. Uh, that's when Emily shows up and she's like, listen, it was his idea. I needed the money and he thought, you know, you would only give it to him if it was your idea. And it's like, ah, both of your parents are trash. How oh, that gaslighting though. <laughs> so of course, you know, John begins to cry. It's like everyone, almost everyone has garbage dads, except for Jin, but everyone has like a garbage dad and like Locks is one of the worst. Oh my God. Yeah. And, like, two, yep. I think it was two episodes ago, they were setting this part up where Walt said, do you have a dad? And he's like, yeah, everyone has a dad. And he goes, well, is he cool? And he goes, no. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, true. And he, uh, yeah, he is yeah. the opposite of cool. 
He's like, like, he wouldn't do this to me. And it's like, but you don't know him. Yeah. You don't actually know him. You don't know. And so he gets to his dad's house again. And like, clearly he's like just right from the hospital and Eddie won't let him in. And so he like has to leave and he's sad and angry and he has to stop the car and cry and like just snaps for Terry. Always snaps for Terry. Like Terry won an Emmy for his work on this show. And I think that was completely deserved. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 He is amazing. Yeah. And it's a difficult. I think role. he and Michael Emerson. Oh, yeah, so those good. are the oh, two Michael that Emerson won the Emmys. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Emerson is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so now it's time for our favorite line awards. Uh, my favorite line goes to Kate and Sawyer this episode for. You're going to Jack. Do I get a lollipop? Because he's such a little <laughs> ah, what a brat. <laughs> um, my favorite line goes to wait. Who said Hurley? This? Yep. Thanks. <laughs> my favorite. I'm good at this. <clears throat> My favorite line goes to Hurley for... Dude, looks like someone's team rolled Harry Potter. <laughs> because how could you not? Yeah. <laughs> but also, that's just what Harry's glasses looked like anyway. They were broken all the time. And you know that Sawyer has read all the Harry Potters. Oh, oh he course. totally has. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Okay, okay. I bet that Sawyer's favorite Harry Potter character is Neville. I was just wondering Aww! who his favorite character would be. I love I just, that. Like, Draco would be too obvious, you know? So, of course, yeah, it's Neville. Yeah. Aww. It's gotta be Neville. Because I feel like, ne- like S- Sawyer would have been a grown-up when he read them, you know? And so, I bet that he, like, just read them. And I bet he just felt really protective towards Neville. Yeah, I probably, ooh. like, read it, like, muttering out of his breath, that nerd. You know? And just, like, <laughs> wanting to beat up the kids who were mean to him. But question, how many books were out in 2004, which is when this was taking place? Um, uh, I don't know. The I think to that almost answer. all of them. Hang on. The uh, last one was last one came out in two thousand seven. Seven, yeah. So yeah. it's like, been like five or six. Released. Wait, so Sawyer didn't get to read the final Harry Potter book for like years? Oh, that poor so man. cruel. Okay, uh, that would be my motivation to get off that island. I'm gonna be hundred percent. He's only read you. up to. He's only read up to Goblet of Fire. Nope. <gasps> no, he's read Order of the Phoenix. He's read Order of the Phoenix. Okay. Okay. Oh my god! Imagine being on that island and going. I don't know how Harry Potter ends. I have to get off this island. I wonder if Snape is good or bad, he says. <laughs> what happens with the prophecy? He's only seen like two of the movies. That's so cruel. I'm so sorry, Sawyer. Okay, my favorite line is also from the um, Jack Sawyer glasses love fest section of the show because it really did have the best lines. Uh, my favorite line is... Look, Kate, I'd love nothing more than to check the guy out and make sure he's okay. But we both know all I'm going to get from my trouble is a snappy one-liner. And if I'm real lucky, a brand new nickname. Because it's so it's true. a great line. And so you good. know he was he was really... He wants his new nickname to be Honey. Exactly. He was like, <laughs> he's like, I can't let her know that I really want a new nickname. And I want that new nickname to be my love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yes. We're going to move into light and dark. So one thing that I wanted to point out for light and dark was that in the jungle storyline and in the flashback storyline, at the end of the episode, Locke is in a white shirt with blood on it. Um, Mm. And so, like, I'm kind of maybe reaching and saying that, like, you know, the light is always goodness. And so Locke is always a good person. But because of something that he's done or something that's happened to him, this, like, uh, the darkness has, like, tarnished him. Mm. Darkness, my old friend. (laughs) Am I right? 
<laughs> the other one that I wrote down was that the light hurts Sawyer's eyes, but I don't think that that's one. <laughs> it's just something that I, I No, I could see that. Okay, so here's the other thing is that Locke and John Locke and Anthony Cooper were both philosophers during the enlightenment Ooh, snap in fact Locke Locke is like the enlightenment uh philosopher for England wow anyway so I think that's probably also in play for sure that's a good one that was well done (laughs) um (laughs) we're gonna do man of science man of faith so I'm just going to say out some names and we're gonna figure out we're just gonna kind of guess so okay. Locke mm-hmm. is the most man of faith ever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Boone is a little bit of both, I think. I think Boone is a man of science who really wants to be a man of faith, but yes. like yeah. can't make the leap, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so every yeah. time Locke is just like, come on, come to the faith side, Boone is just like, uh, okay. And then he goes up you know, is faithful, goes up in the thing, and then it's just like, look yeah. where your faith got us. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I want to make the leap, I want to make the leap, but I just have so many questions and he can't let go. Like, yeah. he can't let go of, well, maybe I said Teresa, you know, maybe yes, you're yes. in a plane crash because you're in a plane crash. He just has all these doubts. Mm-hmm. And every time it happens, he gets injured. Truth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sawyer? Uh, science, I think. Science, because he let Jack examine him and like, yeah. Come to yeah. a conclusion. Yeah. Uh, Jack? Science. He has Science. faith in his love for <laughs> Sawyer. <laughs> How about Kate? Uh, I think Kate was Science. Fake. Oh, yeah, maybe Science. That's not, I don't know. Because every time Sawyer needs to do something, like needs help, she'll just be like, go to Jack. Yeah. That's the logical that's thing. But isn't that technically man of science, though? Because she's like, go to the most logical person to help Yeah, you. that's what I said. Yeah. Oh, my bad. But she has faith in Jack. Yeah. Okay, yes, yes. True. So both. But it changed. Um, how about yeah. Anthony Cooper? <laughs> Science. Science. Douchebag. That's a guy who does not believe, like, he thinks faith is for rubes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. How about Emily Locke? Faith. I think yeah, faith, faith, too. And then how about everyone's favorite character? Eddie. Aw, <laughs> uh, I think Eddie is a man of faith. I think so, yeah. too. Aw. Moving on to Sawyer's book corner, uh, he's still reading A Wrinkle in Time, which we kind of discussed uh, last last episode. So cool, Wrinkle in Time. Did they do the thing? Which means did they say the episode title in the episode? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a ridiculous episode for that one to do. Yeah. And then, do you guys uh, for how many episodes since the last knockout? Uh, would you say Boone got knocked out this episode? I would say yes. Okay. Yeah. Curses. That this was our biggest. Uh, that was our biggest. Our streak. biggest streak with no knockouts. <laughs> it literally Too bad. Th- the longest streak is what it was three episodes. It was three. That's and three. I'm really worried about Saeed at this point. Man, I know. Yeah. Like everybody on that island has serious post concussion syndrome. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and no one's dealing with it, and Jack hasn't yeah. noticed. <laughs> no. Like, come on, Mr. Doctor. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't understand. He's like, I'm a spinal surgeon, not a head person. (laughs) Okay, but he also figured out Sawyer needed glasses, so what's the truth? Truth. Yeah, yeah. It's not an optometrist or an ophthalmologist. So for listener thoughts, we actually got a really, really wonderful uh, DM on Twitter from Angela, uh, but it's filled with spoilers, so we will be reading that out in the spoiler section. Cool, 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 cool. 
Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. And uh, soon we'll be going back to Unity Days uh, in January next month. And we'll be seeing Aaron there and we're very excited. So we talked all about season four last year. We'll be talking about season five in the coming year. Hopefully we'll have a trailer by then. Yes. Please at the CW. Please God. Um, if you're a fan of Riverdale, we are currently talking about season two, and we are low-key super loving it, so- Oh my us. gosh, it's so good! I don't know, some switch got flipped, and we were enjoying the heck out of it, so come join us and talk about it with us. My life has been changed this day, this week. <laughs> <laughs> Robin finally found, like, a shit. It was incredible. And she's very happy about it. Uh, you can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Redbubble, and YouTube soon. Ooh! Yeah. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. Um, We use all the money for our SoundCloud hosting. So if you could spare a dollar, we would love that. Slash love you. But we'll love you anyway. (laughs) Uh, You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And thank you so much to Aaron for coming on the pod. Yay! It's been a blast. Right, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me <laughs> at Rebloggenhood, R-E-B-L-O-G-G-I-N Hood, which is a portmanteau of reblogging and Robin Hood. Um, <laughs> and Twitter. <laughs> the OG Robin Hood stand. And that's also where I am on Tumblr. And you can also find me on the Metastation at the 100 podcast with Claire. Um, and that's at metastation100 on Twitter, metastation.tumblr.com on Tumblr. And we are also on SoundCloud if you just search for metastation. And we are currently um, almost done with our recaps of season one of The 100. We're going to be finishing that up in the next, like, one in December and then one in January. And then coming up before season five starts, we have a couple of other little things we're gonna do a trailer podcast we will have uh we're gonna go back and binge season four and do a kind of like season four retrospective podcast before season five comes out um a couple other things in the works so um still got content coming on that i'm excited for all of that yes (laughs) like yes i love knowing these things excellent (laughs) inside scoop yes (laughs) (laughs) uh join us next time for episode 120 do no harm and we'll be having my friend Everett on. Woohoo! Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Meat morph. <laughs> Meat morph. Zeep zorp. <laughs> Robot. Exactly. Spoilers. Spoilers. Gonna talk spoilers. Woo! Welcome to the spoiler section. Spoilers. Sarah sings our spoiler song. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. I'm so excited to talk spoilers. So now let's let's begin with our listener thoughts that we got. Okay. Shout out to Angela, who just wrote the most incredible stuff here. She's at RL Writers Block on Twitter, and she decided to DM us instead of email us her thoughts, which is totally cool if people want to do that. And um, yeah, she just sent us this huge paragraph of really smart stuff, so we're really excited to read it out. Ooh. 
In my opinion, the Sun and Jin relationship is so strained and weird and borderline abusive at first because while Sun is very much a well-rounded character from the beginning of the series, they don't really find Jin as a character until the end of season two. For the first two seasons, I was under the impression they kept scattering ambivalent clues about him because they had no idea where the story would go. I agree. Mm. Yep. By the beginning of the season four, the audience knows Jin is a good dude. Trademark. <laughs> I love this. And his previous weird behavior is retconned, so I wouldn't read that much into his character flaws in season one. On the other hand, Sun never really changes throughout the series, and that is why I can't really forgive the behavior she has towards Jin in season one. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I would argue that I think Sun does change. Yeah. Not as yeah. much as Jin, but I would say she does. Yeah, I, I think she does. Jin has more of a complete arc. Yeah, Jin. There's like more sort of reversals that Jin goes through, but I think Sun kind of. I think Sun sort of like comes into her own and embraces things about herself that she was maybe suppressing or denying earlier on, and that's you know that's significant change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's very timid in season yeah, one too, exactly. right? Like she 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 has very clipped wings, and by the end of the season, she's you know kind of this badass, like very outspoken person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, and then this one is about uh, Shannon Saeed. I agree with what you were saying about Shannon being the love of Saeed's life on the island and Nadia being the love of his life before the crash. In a way, also, I don't know how much Saeed has seen Nadia as a real person up till that moment. Like, I don't think he ever actually ever thought they would end up together, and that's probably why in the flash sideways they don't. She was maybe an ideal in a way, while Shannon is very real and there and only cares that he sees her as a person, and he says she's not worthless, and I'm crying by. But also that uh, that makes sense to me because Nadia has always been an idea to Saeed yeah, more than a like that's a reality. True. Yeah, they that's only true. knew each other as children, and then once she was a prisoner, and then after that, it was kind of just like hope I find her so we can have a real relationship. So right, uh, and then they do they do end up finding each other at the end of season four for those three years, but then she ends up dying. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. I think this is a great point. Yeah, I I never liked Shannon and Saeed, but that's a good point about Nadia being sort of like, he he spent a lot of time idealizing her in his mind and, you know, like sort of romanticizing their past and stuff like that. It's not really built on like that much of a relationship so much as like what she represented to him. So that doesn't yeah. Make sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and, a, yeah. And depending on how you um, understand the flash sideways, like if you... It's hard to explain because a lot of people interpret it in different ways. But if Saeed is the one who is kind of manifesting this story for himself, if that's the way that you uh, interpret the Flash sideways, then, like, I think he always knew that Nadia wasn't his person because Nadia is married to his brother in Flash sideways. Right. Okay. That's true. I didn't know that people interpreted the Flash sideways as it being each uh, survivor's manifestation. I mean, that's something that people can do. I I kind of like to do it in a in like two different kind of ways, where it's like I kind of just take two things and put them together. The like the one that most people believe in, but I also think that some of it is is self directed. uh, What is what is what are the two ways? So the two the first way is that the people are kind of making it up themselves Uh and are kind of doing this whole thing. But the the main way that I can explain the flash sideways is like limbo. It's yeah, it's kind of limbo. So so people go here. Um, I want to I want to be able to do this really eloquently. So <laughs> it's like 
um, it's kind of a, an in-between place between between like the beyond and between where they actually live. So the island okay. was always real and it actually happened and everything. Right. And some people went to the flash sideways earlier and some people went there later. So like, you know, uh, Charlie dies at the end of season three and Jack dies at the end of season six, but Sawyer dies like wherever in the future, but they're all in this place because uh, this is like, they're all waiting for, each other right. so that they can all move on okay um, so it's kind of like it's kind of like a waiting area where they just exactly like, yeah. yeah 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 got it but then there was also like that theory that like all of them created that area to wait in for yeah. each other and it's yeah. not that the you it's not the universe's waiting room so much as it's their own created waiting room right yeah yeah and the people yes. who are all in flash sideways are like the people who you spent the most important moments of your life with so there are certain people Mm -hmm. who aren't there like first of all michael isn't there and that's because he's still stuck on the island because he's one of the whispers right um yeah but also walt isn't there and that's because he spent the most important moments of his life uh and i don't well actually aaron is there but he's not in the church with them yeah um and so you know he ended up spending the most important moments of his life down the line with some other people right yeah and that's why he's not there yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. the island okay, that was- actually makes a lot more sense. That does, yeah, that does. Okay, okay let's move on to the next. And then, one. <laughs> also, Saeed's characterization is all over the place in later seasons, in my opinion, because he doesn't seem to have someone who grounds him and who can remind him he is a good man, even though he worked as a torturer and a killer in the past. Hot take: Season six, Saeed, who's that? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hot season six, Saeed is like, uh, we don't know what to do with Saeed so he's just gonna be but that's because he died and he had to come back to life yeah that was See, that was very strange if Saeed had just fallen for Desmond like I always <laughs> wanted oh my god that would have been right? amazing yes I know I could get into that shit team Desmond sure. and Charlie fam team Desmond and Charlie okay but team okay, everyone but okay, team okay. doesn't like Desmond and Charlie De- Charlie's like their like their kid like can you imagine Saeed and Desmond being like dads to Charlie yes I like, can and I love it come on who doesn't <laughs> want that <laughs> okay and then imagine now just imagine like Desmond and Saeed going over to Claire and Kate's house and they bring their kid Charlie to like play <gasps> with their kid Aaron like how beautiful I love is that this. And then Clementine comes over too. Exactly. Yes. They could be like next door neighbors. Yeah. I just, guys, we're geniuses. (laughs) I'm so choked up. This is like such a beautiful vision. (laughs) It's like lost, but make it gay. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Gay lost. But I do absolutely believe like once, I don't think they knew what to do with Saeed yeah. after a while. They were like, we need we need the strong man. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But he's supposed to be the leader. You don't understand. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. There's like, there's a lot of, there's a bunch of times later on when Saeed kind of gets the idiot ball where it's in a way that's just like really unconvincing. You're like, no, Saeed yeah. is like the smartest, most capable person there. Like, Fully agree. Yeah. Saeed's the most competent person. Why is he going along with a stupid plan? <laughs> Exactly. And it's like, it's, you can't just say it's because Jack says so, or it's because yeah. the island wants it. Like, no, yeah. that doesn't work. Like, who the f*** is listening to Jack anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Not me. I love Jack. I love Jack. He's one of my favorite characters. But who the f***? Nobody should be listening to Jack in the last couple seasons. No. Definitely not. No. No. 
The minute he started drunkenly crying and saying we have to go back, I think it was time to stop listening. To uh, yes. He yeah. needed a get-a-grip friend, and nobody was there for him. And then as soon as he got, got back on the island, then it was just like, oh, I am no longer Man of Science Jack. Now I am Man of Faith Jack. Exactly. So to me once and we more. all know. It's like, okay, here's my, here's my, th- uh, another, like, sort of tentative theory I have about lost characters. Yeah. So you're either, you're like, fundamentally, you're either a man of science or a man of faith. And bad things happen when you try to be the thing that you're not. So, like, when Jack Mm. tries to be a man of faith, it all goes wrong. Like, he is a man of science. That is not his role. Yeah. And I don't have another one after that. But I feel so strongly (laughs) about Jack that I feel like this (laughs) must apply to everybody. (laughs) I actually have a really big theory that I read on the internet as well, and I'm not sure if I've told it already or not but I'll probably keep it anyway but you should uh, do this last part with of Angela's and then I can because it kind of makes it kind of correlates all right okay finally I wanted to point out a couple things about the light and dark things not just about season one but also for future reference the man in black and Jacob are twins the same way Romulus and Remus and Cain and Abel were both stories have the something in common with MIB and Jacob's one and with the light and dark theme, in my opinion. Also, most of the philosophical concepts on the conflict between light and darkness stemmed from... Hey, that's a Plot- word I've never seen before. Plotinus. I love that. Plotinus, okay. I think, is how you... Thank you. Plotinus. Good thing okay. you're here. <laughs> okay. Also, most of the philosophical concepts on the conflict between light and darkness stemmed from Plotinus's philosophy. According to him... Matter was evil and light was good, which is why we usually make a connection between light and the concept of divinity. I'm not saying the showrunners studied mythology and Greek philosophy when writing the show, but these stories and concepts are so ingrained in Western culture that they probably didn't even realize they were basing their show on them. Hmm. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely what I believe as well. Yeah. So this big um, theory that I read online, and I'm not sure who I can give... Uh, props to on this um but basically it was about how uh jack became the smoke monster after he died um and so the problem was that jacob although he wanted to be on the island the uh the smoke monster didn't and that's why the that's why the island was always having problems because the two people who were the protectors were not coexisting in agreement and yeah okay and so like in harmony Yes, the way that MIB became the smoke monster was that Jacob pushed him into the light of the island and then he came out and then he died. Um, right, And so right. what happened with Jack was that he went into the light of, I- of the island. He came out in the same place that MIB did and then he died. Mm-hmm. And so there's this theory that Jack became the new MIB and Hurley became the new Jacob. And because Jack decided to that he wanted to stay on the island and wanted to continue to protect the island, the island was now in harmony because the two protectors were coexisting and everything was good and happy. I mean, that makes a lot of sense with the way that the show is kind of about, like, you have to learn how to, like, reconcile mm-hmm. your past and, like, and, and accept all the bad shit that happened to you or that you've done and stop. Like, like Kate's big problem, right, is that she tries to run from her past. She's always trying to run rather than facing it. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, uh, and Hurley is trying to sort of, like, go back, like, kind of undo what happened to him as a kid by, like, killing Sawyer as an adult. And, like, Jack's Mm -hmm. whole thing is that he has to learn to let go. And so, like, that makes sense with sort of, like, the, the core problem that kind of, like, drives everything with the character stories and the mythology is that you have these two things that 
that are sort of like denying their connection to each other and their interdependence, you know? And the problem is that mm-hmm. you have two things that are interdependent that are trying to act independently, that are trying to like um, deny their connection. And so what you need is for them to, you know, you need like, because like light and dark, like the thing about light and dark is that like they are, they are each just de- defined in terms of the other, right? Like light mm-hmm. is the absence of darkness and darkness is the absence of light. Right. So you can't actually, they can't exist one without the other. So Jacob wants to be light and he wants to, he doesn't want the darkness there, but he he's, he's denying the fact that he can't exist without the darkness, right? Like there is no, isn't one without the other. So it does make sense sort of thematically too, to have the resolution be, like finally accepting that these two things are are intertwined and like part of one thing. Mm-hmm. I like this. I love that. Yeah, because there's like there's like a, a balance and a coexistence that it finds that you know the examples that she just gave never really had. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so like there's a I mean like the the light dark thing. I mean there's certainly like there I think there's like a lot of examples in Greek philosophy, but there's also tons of that stuff and like Christian philosophy, like Manichaeans are this ancient Christmas, Christian sect, Christmas, Christmas sect, Manichaeans. So Manichaeans <laughs> are these, this ancient Christian sect that basically like exactly like that, like saw the world in sort of black and white. There was like good and there was evil and they're like the forces of each and they were like absolutely separated. And so you can kind of like, there was no gray area. There was no sort of like whatever. So, um, yeah, so I, I definitely see, like, those themes running throughout. And it is, like, I mean, that's the cool thing about this show, right, is that, like, the sort of big macro mythology stuff all fits with that. But then also just, like, the little character development moments also mm-hmm. fit with mm-hmm. that. So it all kind of, like, comes together. So sweet. And you can really apply it to any school of thinking totally. and find examples. Exactly, yeah, exactly. The kind of, like, all or nothing idea approach that, like is the problem that so many characters have. I'm trying to think of like, maybe Hurley doesn't. I think Hurley never does have that problem. Does he? Has which problem? Like a, he, he doesn't really have an all or nothing thing. No. You know? Like. Can you give me an example of another character that does have an all or nothing thing? Um, well. I'm going to say Locke. Locke. Yeah. It's either like Locke is either like, it's either fate. It's either destiny or it's nothing. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. Okay. Like I'm either special or I'm nothing. You know, there's like, he doesn't right. really, they're kind of like black and white thinking. Um, okay. Well then for Hurley, I might um, cite uh, the episode in season two called Dave. When Dave is kind of telling him he's uh, um uh, what's it called? A mental illness. Dave is basically of the personification of a oh, mental illness. Oh yeah, and yeah, telling yeah. him that he has to eat or else, like, who is he? That's yeah, point, that's true. And Dave that's like tries point. to get him that's to jump point. off a cliff. Yes, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, he's got. Well, and I suppose actually, like, that's a good point. He's either like crazy, the kind of like, well, I'm crazier and everything that I think is wrong or meaningless, versus like it's all real mm-hmm. kind of thing for Hurley. Yeah. And then also, like, I could either, like, never touch my money or... Yeah. Yeah, okay. So it, it, it fits with Hurley, too. But he does eventually sort of figure out, like, in the sideways, you know, he, he like, gets to figure out how to use his money for good. Yes. And so he does manage to reconcile it kind of more than some of the others. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just random. Yeah, I mean, I think Hurley, more than anyone, finds, like, an absolute peace. Yeah, yeah, yes. exactly. Because at the beginning of this flash sideways... Hurley even says, what are you talking about? I'm the luckiest guy in the world. And it's like, yeah, yeah. this is a manifestation of something that Hurley wanted. Then like, this is what, this is it, you know? 
Yeah. This is what he yeah. made. Yeah. Though, would Hurley's goal really be to be hanging out with Ben for the rest of time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if that would be his goal, but, like, the great thing about Hurley is that, like, Hurley is able to kind of, like, accept people for who they are, you know? Like, he's got that sort yeah. of... He's, like, more forgiving than... Mm-hmm. Like, Jack couldn't do that, you know, right. because Jack holds grudges. Whereas Hurley's, like... He'll just be like, dude, it really sucked what you did before. That was not at all cool. But, but like, I'm gonna, still going to hang out with you. Yeah, like, but yeah. you're not going to do it anymore, right? Like, as long as you don't do the thing that I just told you is not cool again, then we're cool. And if we're, like, still talking about the, the manifestation thing where people make their own flash sideways, it's, like, interesting to me that Hurley... Uh, is able to make a reality that he's always wanted and that he feels like he deserves, whereas Locke is still in the wheelchair Yeah, in his yeah, flash sideways. Really and although point. he has Helen yeah. and they're happy, he's still having issues about that until he allows Jack to help him. Yeah, yeah. But that would also mean in, like, Ben's flash sideways, all he ever wanted was, like, a really simple life. Yeah, he just wanted to be a teacher and help people. He just wanted to... He just wanted to help people and, like, be... T- God, I remember... I remember when that episode aired. Guys, you have no idea how many, like, kinks people had. Because they're like, oh, I'm suddenly really attracted to Ben Linus. What's going on? And what? I was like, what? No! <laughs> they're no. like, oh my god. Professor Ben? And I was like, wait, what's going on here? What the fuck? No, that's not okay. <laughs> no, it was so funny. That's the one part I remember from Lost airing. Is like, I was around when season six aired. And everyone was like, oh, Professor Linus. And I was like, guys. guys guys. I do find please. it very, very fitting that he's teaching, like, about Napoleon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely the guy that Ben Linus would be. Like, that's who he would study is Napoleon. <laughs> oh, Benry, I love you so much. <laughs> um, I'm going to start yeah. going in through some of the notes that I have here on uh, spoilers. So uh, the first one I had was that Locke is kind of hit by a car here and Desmond hits him with a car in the flash sideways. Ah, yes, yes. I, that, was all I was th- that was all I was thinking about. He talks about being in foster care and at one point Richard Alpert goes to visit him while he's in foster care. <gasps> um, uh, Emily is his mom's name. Fun fact, uh, both Locke and Ben's mothers were named Emily. Oh. And we also see Emily in a flashback um, when she gets hit by a car and that's why she has to... Uh, deliver prematurely as well i believe that's in an episode in season three called cabin fever might be in season four cabin fever maybe people on this show should just like avoid cars and planes yeah planes trains automobiles yeah Um, just stay where you are wherever you are just stay there (laughs) don't (laughs) next i have some of the bodies that they found which is goldie and ends up being yemi in the plane uh echo's brother Mm. Uh, from Nigeria and like no they weren't priests but the sad part is that like they're like oh they weren't priests and they weren't except Yemi was yeah sadness things just went really wrong so wrong Boone asks him why he was in the chair and we find out in a season three episode called the man from Tallahassee when the reason why he was in the chair is because his dad pushed him out of a building what a head and he would have died if it wasn't for Jacob what that literally leaves me speechless whenever I think about like Mm -hmm. that yeah like, you think that you're, you have a shit dad, at least your dad did not push you out of a window. True. Exactly. Next, I wanted to talk about the clearing that they kind of found that the plane is in, that the plane falls into. That ends up being, like, where the, the pearl is underground. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. That's right. The Mary statues, just all that stuff about uh, Charlie. 
and that the voice that Boone talks to is actually Bernard, but it's not Sam Anderson's voice because they hadn't cast him yet. <laughs> oh. oh, Bernard. Yeah. Bernard. And then Anna Lucia is just like, it's the others and they're trying to tri- trick us. But it wasn't. But like, justice for Anna Lucia. Okay, Bernard Bernard and Rose are also one of my OTPs. I'm very happy. Yes, yes. They always get forgotten. I know. Especially like even by me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh crap, I love them so much. They're so awesome. I love them. They're, they're just so like good. the best. Rose is the best. Oh, the best character on that show is Rose. Honestly. Yep. The next one I had was that uh, the nurse that talks to Locke after his surgery is actually the same nurse that uh, Jack talks to later in the series because they both work at the same hospital. Ah, How does this um, show do this? I know, right? It's incredible. It's amazing. And then uh, lastly is that the light turns on and it's actually just Desmond being like, who's banging on my hatch? (laughs) Yeah. Like Desmond Desmond turns on the light and he's like, what the hell? Hi guys, it's Robin from the future again. Um, I just wanted to point out that what's going on with Desmond while Locke is banging on the hatch is that he's um, planning on potentially committing suicide and Locke stops him from doing that and we sort of forgot about that so I don't want it to seem like we are making light of that or saying that it's not a big deal or anything. I think we all just forgot. So um, yeah, continue on. We're almost done. I would be so mad if I were Desmond. So much oh sleep god. interrupted by some man screaming. Oh my god. He's like, I only have 108 minutes to sleep at a time, please. It's amazing that Desmond, like, how is Desmond not just filled with rage all the time I think, about everything? I think about that all the time. Like, like right? he was supposed to have a partner. Yeah. He was supposed to have a partner. I mean, like, just basically about his entire life. Like, if I were Desmond, I would just never yeah. be done being angry. I would be angry and I'd have gone insane. Oh, yes. Because it's like just, you just get into that really good sleep. Yeah. Alarm. Oh, my God. I mean, like, in doing that for years, like, but, like, actually, I'm pretty sure you would go insane. Like, because your brain is not programmed to work that way. Yeah. Man, all those years, you think you would have figured out, like, some kind of button, like, that would push the button for him what he needed okay you know those like little um those little like bird things with liquid in them that like that like yes he just needed to like set those up so that they like peck the numbers in the right order yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) see we figured it out how come desmond couldn't those are all my spoiler thoughts if you guys have any last ones and then we can move on oh well there's the one i was gonna say earlier where i I hope that in the the uh, the timeline where they Sawyer and Kate and Claire and uh, right. They go back. Uh, I I hope that when Sawyer landed, the first thing he saw in the airport was like a bookstore with a display of book seven of Harry Potter. Oh, and he just like bought it and then like went to like went home and then just like read it straight through. Because it would have been around two thousand seven. Yes, that's too funny. Yeah, I <laughs> okay. love that. That would make my whole life. So who does he invite over to then binge watch all the movies? Oh, well, I mean, gotta be Kate and Claire, right? Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. And he's like, like, Miles, Richard, whoever else was on the thing. Aaron is too young for this. Yeah. I think the whole gang, Desmond, yeah, all of them just like get together. They're like, okay, island reunion. We're going to have like a little (sighs) island reunion day where we binge watch all of the Harry Potter movies. Okay, but, like, if this happened now, like, he'd be, like, putting this on Instagram and, like, the Oceanic Six, like, stands would be like, oh, my Ah! God, they're all together. (laughs) (laughs) They're all, like, wearing their house scarves. 
Yes! Y'all, oh my God, yes. And who would, okay, who would be live, who would have the best live tweet of this occasion? Ooh. Miles. I feel like Miles. Oh, yes, you're yeah. totally right. Miles would have the like the best. And then I feel like Desmond would just like tweet random things at random points. And like people would just be like trying to figure out what the f he was talking about. He'd be like, this isn't what Scotland looks like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'd be like taking like pictures of like small objects in the room, yeah. of, like where they were. And people would be like, what is this of? And he'd just be like, I don't know. I just thought it was nice. Okay. But P- Penny would. Okay. Penny would definitely have the best Instagram game, though. Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. She would be, it like... It would be perfectly curated recipes. Yes. Baby Charlie has his own Instagram account. Yes! yes. Oh, and then they get... And they'd be like, Charlie's too young for Harry Potter. And Sawyer would be like, no, he's not. Yep. You're never too young for Harry <laughs> never Potter. Never too young for Harry Potter. And then Aww. Vincent would also have his own Instagram, because obviously he went <gasps> home and he lives with Kate and Claire now. Yeah, Hurley brought yes. him back. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this idea. <laughs> Guys, we did it. Hurley would also have a fun live tweet. Miles would be like the really snarky live tweet. Yeah. And then Hurley would just be like the super sweet, excited live tweet. So it's like someone would live tweet like Retta. Yes, exactly. Miles yeah. would live tweet like Retta. And Hurley would live tweet like Mallory Ortberg. <laughs> yep. Done. Like, Hurley Done. would just be like, I can't believe Fudge doesn't think that Voldemort's back. Yeah. And they'd all, like, be tweeting each other at the same time, yes. too. Be like, really? I feel like it's pretty obvious. <laughs> this is, like, that's, that's I just want to, like, wrap myself up in this, in this like, headcanon like a blanket. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> be like, oh, yes, I live here now. Yes. This fic. Where is it, please? Yeah. Who's going to write it for us? <gasps> Brittany. We oh. will. <laughs> 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 Through tweets. Epistolary as heck. I have been volunteered. All right. Yes. Okay, fine. Okay. Uh, All right. Outro time? Yes. All right. Thank you, Erin, so much for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. This was super duper fun. Yay. This was so much fun. So much fun. When you do your uh, rewatch, just let us know if uh, uh, an episode sticks out to you and we'll write you down for it if someone hasn't taken it already. Excellent. Find a really good Joyer episode. I know. Mm. I have to go back through and be like, where's the best Joyer episode? Oh, where's the one where Sawyer ends up telling Jack that he actually did meet his dad and Jack cries? <gasps> oh my God, yes. That's a good one. Y'all know there's probably like a gift set out there, right? Oh, gotta be. Gotta be. I got, I'm, I'm gonna find it. <laughs> uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Abritania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. If you Go follow ahead. me, I'll call the police. <laughs> <laughs> Stalking is illegal, people. Um, you can follow me at at rebloggenhood, R-E, how do you spell it? R-E-B-L-O-G-G-I-N-H-O-O-D. It's a portmanteau of reblogging and Robin Hood because when I joined Tumblr, I was, I joined for the BBC Robin Hood TV show fandom. And my husband made fun of me. He's like, because all you do is on Tumblr is just reblog Robin Hood gift sets all day. And I was like, haha. And he's like, you should call yourself Rebloggin' Hood. And I was like, yeah, I should. And then I did. And that's who I am. <laughs> you guys are like that kind of like dad joke couple. <laughs> exactly. He was like making fun of me. And I was like, you jest. But bluff called. <laughs> like, you gave me far too much power. <laughs> exactly. And uh, you can follow us at the Aficionados on Twitter. Facebook, Tumblr, 
We don't do much on our Tumblr, but I'm going to start posting <laughs> things on there. And Redbubble and YouTube soon, because we're going to see each other next week. And we're going to vlog. That's exciting. And you can follow Metastation on yeah. Twitter and Tumblr. Please go listen to Metastation. It is the best thing in the whole world. It's pretty awesome. I love it. We, it's, yeah. we If you like The 100, you'll like it. Yeah. If you like The 100 and you like two best friends vacillating wildly between... Really, like, educational, philosophical discussions, and then just, you know, whatever time zone nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> just complete nonsense. idiocy. Yeah, total idiocy. We're, we once had a long segment where it was just me making fun of how obsessed Claire was with the vases in Becca's house. Like, I was, <laughs> I was like, obsessed with that. I was like, why are they eating, like... 97 year old canned food like they're all gonna die of botulism and claire was like she has gorgeous faces which basically tells you all you need to know about me versus claire (laughs) claire was in our group chat like Brittany, look at these vases and i'm like girl i'm already ahead of you i've already found where i can buy them (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile i'm like you're all gonna get locked jaw If we if the apocalypse happens and we all wind up together, you guys can be in charge of decorating, and I will be in charge of making sure that nobody dies of food poisoning. And I will um, be in the fetal position will, in the corner. That's, yeah, that's, Robin that's will fine. either be crying or have sacrificed herself yes. already. That's cool. Yeah. Like Robin, you can just yeah. like name all of our all the like bugs that live in our cave and give them backstories. Great. That's a great. That's a great yeah. idea for her. Totally. <laughs> Done. Wow, that's the most helpful thing she could do. Sure. <laughs> Sorry, Robin. Uh, you can donate to our Patreon um, at patreon.com slash theafficionados. All of the money that we get there goes straight back into the podcast. So we would appreciate it a lot because it's expensive to run three podcasts. It totally is. As a person who also who only has one podcast, yeah. like... It, yeah. is, it does not cost zero dollars to have a podcast, people. So yeah. mm-hmm. give money. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, love you, bye. You. Love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. I actually threw my hands up in the air to wave. Oh, I wave every time. But yeah. did you wave them like you just didn't care? <laughs> or did you wave them like you did yeah. care? I care a lot. Oh, okay. That's a good one. <laughs>